Welcome to episode 454 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man sitting across the table from me. No, he's not wearing a hat. No, he's not wearing the shirt that we talked about him having a couple weeks ago because the man, contrary to popular belief, does change his clothes. Today, he's honoring his Lord and Savior, Glenn Danzig. It's Russell John the Fisherman. I, I changed back into my shirt that we wore when we went to the Alamo. Oh, did you? Yeah, I found it on the floor. <laughs> so I was like, yep, perfect. And that's what we call a tease. Because we did go to the Alamo. Mm-hmm. But why did we go? You don't know until three hours from now when this episode has concluded. <laughs> but before we do that, we're going to Atlanta, Georgia to bring in Randy Michael Stapp. That's me. What's up? Happy uh, Labor Day. Is that what it is? Yeah, it Labor Day. It is. Coming to you live on tape. Hell yeah. Right. On Labor Day. <laughs> when, how long has Labor Day did a thing? It's like, I, I don't know. Russ, give that a quick gook. All right. Just say, when was Labor Day enacted? And while Russell looks that up, we'll reach over behind the wall, over there in the booth, Oksana Valerian of Osachi. Hi. Oksana, happy Labor Day. Happy Labor Day. Did you, did y'all... Everyone, everyone's off today. Is that right? Or are we? Is everybody on the clock right now? <laughs> I'm nope. off. All right, good deal. Okay, Labor Day was a national holiday in 1894 when President uh, Randy, who was the president in 1894? Taft. That's not bad. Grover Cleveland signed a law passed by Most Congress close. designating the first Monday in September a holiday for workers. Very interesting. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. <laughs> Glad we were able to lock that up. Grover Cleveland. Is, is that the legacy of uh, Cleveland's presidency enacting uh, Labor Day? Where he's it like, you know. Mm, it's the only thing I remember him for. <laughs> well, Taft was eaten by werewolves. We all know this. Fuck yeah. That's a good Black Mirror episode. Oh, that. Well, <laughs> before he fucked the pig? Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, man. All right. So we don't really have to do like an intro uh, wrangle or anything, right? Because I didn't realize Randy was recording for 20 minutes before we actually started. Yep, you could just do a quick edit and put that in here, right? I think we argued about how to with John Wilson. Well, see, that's the thing. It's like I feel like we we blow our load a little bit before we even start. I, I don't know. It's kind of like a warm-up before. Yeah. Talked about the Von Erichs. We did. We talked a lot. We we educated young Randall about the violence. Yeah, I mean, you could educate a lot of pro wrestling fans about them too. Oh, sure. Which I think will be the fun, the fun thing. The dynasty of the Von Erichs in the South and their cursed, um, what collision with history. Yeah, yeah. Actually, if you listen to, they're the, the uh, Kennedys of the wrestling world. Uh, that's how the Undertaker got his start. Um, he he was going down and just sitting in the lobby of the building that the Von Erichs own trying to get an interview with somebody. He said he did it for like eight months. Oh, the, oh no one noticed the six foot 10 guy. Well, hanging out him. The he said nobody would talk to him. He would stand up and be like, Hey, and then they would just walk by. Well, him. He's terrified. Well, not then <laughs> he looked, Oh, he kind of looked like somebody who would probably jump you. He's very tall. Yeah. And big. And how, how uh, big is he? Oh, I don't Six. Um, I've seen him before. I saw, I, and I will say I was a big undertaker fan. Who wasn't? Who wasn't? But 6'10", according to IMDb. 6'10". 
I, yeah, the whole internet is IMDb. I saw him in one of the worst wrestling matches I have ever seen in my life. Do you know who, who I'm about to say who he wrestled against? Who? The Great Khali. Oh, okay. It was The Undertaker and The Great Khali in the Jackson Memorial Coliseum. Oh, my God. <laughs> the, the Great Border Khali. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let me tell you something. A border collie is more athletic than the great <laughs> collie. I mean, what a failure. You know the only reason why they brought that guy in? Because he was in, um, was he in the movie because he was a wrestler? Or did he become a wrestler after the football, the longest yard? Because he was in the longest yard. And that's when people were like, who is this giant? You know, without looking anything up, my history of the great Kali was that he was a bodybuilder prior and then that he had murdered somebody in an amateur wrestling match. Oh, yeah. Not on purpose, but again, he he wasn't great. Like you said, he was the worst match you ever saw. It was just ungood. Now, there is a new uh, genetic freak in the WWE world. Uh, Russ, do you know this guy? Omos? Uh, Type in Omos. O-M-O-S. Randy, go ahead and give that a goog as well. Can you uh, do it on the hair? I want to. I think he's like seven three, four hundred pounds. He is a giant Nigerian, and he just yeah, he's seven foot three, four hundred and sixteen. I never pounds. trust the internet. He's height. athletic. Okay, he's he's fun to watch, especially in like a. Uh, well, he has to be a Look, battle royale situation. He's got to like roid up or something. He looks like a. Look regular- at him against Brock Lesnar. Yeah, I get it. You know? No, he's a giant, but he doesn't have that, like... I like my heroes, <laughs> my pro wrestling icons, to either be, like, fatter than life yeah. or, like, like roided out of their fucking gills. Like, I want them to be, like, superhuman. Otis Alpha Squad. Type oh that in. Oh, my God. This is the last one. This hey, is how a, do you spell that? Otis, O-T-I-S? Yeah, Otis WWE. That's fine. Or Alpha Academy. There you go. <laughs> That guy. Oh, yeah. I'm into him. Yeah. Otis is tight. Also, you know, um, yeah, RIP again to Bray Wyatt, the only one who I was kind of into still. I know, man. That was uh, crazy. Again, message delivered to me by Nilo at Spirit Shop. (laughs) No no more of a whimsical way to deliver devastating news. Randy, do you know what the the controversy is behind the, uh, the tragic... And uh, early death of uh, WWE superstar and uh, championship belt holder Bray Wyatt. You heard about no. this, Randy? First time hearing his name. Uh, well, he was killed by COVID, Randy. The vaccine killed him. That's what. That's what. That's what the streets are saying. Dude. Now it's funny because I also heard that he had vanished for a while because he refused to get it. Also that. So then he got it, and then he died. That's how I felt. That's what they're saying. When I got it, man, I got wrecked. And I, I got so put down that I read all the House of Leaves. That's how <laughs> <laughs> I read a 700 page puzzle book. I was so like stuck in bed. Yeah. yeah I mean, fantastic book. And then I remember what we talked to fucking Nick Nordlinger and he was like, oh yeah, I've read it twice. And I'm like, hey, you're a fucking maniac or, or an AI. And he's just scanning the pages. Well, I never got it because I really liked dash cam at the message that it was in. <laughs> I thought you were talking about House of Leaves. There you go. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, before we before we intro the show and we get um, we get our, our dear friend yeah. in here, um, I, I I do I I have a little something I want to bring to the table. Now I did I w- 
me going over the wrestler thing. That just sort of happened uh, organically. Uh, but Russ, I would like to pull up one more thing here today. Um, as I want to educate you both, gentlemen, um, about a new personality in the college football world. Oh, no. Now, you know, this. I wanted to put this at the beginning of the show because as I talked about, uh, you know, football is here and football is a big part of my life. And, uh, you know, I, I, I want to do what I can to kind of marry these two things together because I do think that there's a lot more overlap in the sports world and the, in the art world, in the movie world, in the film world. Yeah, Randy watched that art piece in New York yes, with Madeline. Because yeah. of Matthew, Matthew Barney. Barney. <laughs> Randy's a big pigskin guy now. Fuck yeah, dude. Randy, who, who you got on the NFL? Who you bullish on in the National Football League this year, Randy? Who you got? Uh, the 49ers. You heard him. Actually, that's a very good pick. Uh, I oh, think really? Most people would probably pick the 49ers. Well, it looks like the weather's clearing up. I'm back in. That's it. <laughs> um, it's funny, though, that their starting quarterback is Mr. Irrelevant. That is tight. Do you know who, do you know what that term means? No. They give the term Mr. Irrelevant to the last person selected draft? in the draft. Okay. So he was the last the draft person draft doesn't selected. mean shit, though. How many first-round picks do nothing? A few. Yeah. It means a lot, though. It does mean a lot. Sometimes it didn't pan out. Yeah. But, like, you put a lot of time and money and effort into the draft. Well, it's more of, like, a celebration of hard work and a career blossoming. Because I feel like if you get first-round draft pick, okay, who cares what you do in the NFL? That was a really cool milestone you've achieved. Well, it's also a, a lot of responsibility now. Oh, why? Because brand, it, do you walk through it's a lot of money for the first round pick? Brand. It's a lot of expectations. That's what sports is. That's what sports is built upon. Now you have the entire uh, metropolitan area on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, but if you're you, carrying you're carrying the weight of the legacy. On if you. you don't deliver, you get a ton of money, and you don't get any CTE. Yeah, and then you got you win win, and then you got people on uh, Twitter <clears throat> X yelling at you all day. <laughs> And then you get a documentary by Untold Football Legend, blah, 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 right? Boy. Is it Untold? Fuck that Florida documentary, dude. I finished it. It was a hunk of shit. What, Swamp Ass? Man, the documentary? Swamp Ass. Dude, it was Swamp Ass. That's 100%. Swamp Boys, no. Swamp Ass is what it was. All right, what was the thing you wanted to I want to talk up? to you about a gentleman named Biff Pogi. B-I-F-F. P-O-G-G-I. Randy, I would behoove no. you to Google this, please. That, that is the only name I knew how to spell. <laughs> when you said there you go. Oh, there, why is there not a picture of him? That just. You have to now go. Images. Now just. Yeah, just hate images now. No, it's because I put college football before. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so he's not a first round draft. Here's pick, the thing. If you had to guess, what what would you say is the background of the gentleman? I would I would like you to describe the gentleman you're looking at and kind of give me an idea of what you think his background is. Um, he looks like an older uncle who may uh, touch your child so you don't leave him with it. And uh, he looks like he collects baseball cards at some point in his life. He wears visors. He looks like he hangs out on the beach, too. He's got fat tan body. I bet he doesn't give a fuck. He's one of those types. He's of a large man. Yeah, but he but he wears the girth like a sign of accomplishment, not a uh, shame of the modern time. What kind of shirts do you see him wear? Uh, well, he's, they're all sleeveless. Sleeveless. Yeah. Uh, would you say this man is every bit of three hundred and fifty pounds? Oh, probably more. Yeah. He he looks like he's a big dude. He's too. a big guy. 
Um, believe it or not. Uh, also, how old do you think Biff Pogie is? Oh, uh, 58. This is a 67-year-old man. Okay. Um, and believe it or not, he is a billionaire. Okay. Um, he He's a hedge fund guy. And uh, actually, he's a hedge fund. Spent, dude? I think, nearly two decades coaching a high school team, uh, making them a national powerhouse, and then investing a lot of his own personal money into the school and providing scholarship for his players. Then, um, Jim Harbaugh, who you may know as yeah. the former head coach of the uh, the aforementioned San Francisco 49ers, oh yeah, hired him. Thank you so much. <laughs> hired him at the University of Michigan to be his associate head coach. Then the University of Charlotte this very year hired Biff Pogie as their head coach. And it has been a controversial move to say the least. He's got no background? Or he, like- he has his background in high school football and has coached a little bit in college. But did he, he, he knows football very well. He played, uh, I believe, at Pittsburgh. Um, so yeah, he has a strong background in, in, in football. He also has a strong background in finance. And that is the vibe he brings. It's like an A's. Um, what, what was the whole thing with the A's? They used to do like calculations on like, you're not the best, Moneyball. but you're the most. Yeah. Moneyball, sabermetrics. Yeah. yeah. Analytics. Um, you know, the real fun shit. Was so sports. he's just bringing attitude into this. Now, yesterday. It's the attitude era. Yes, uh, excuse me. Uh, several days ago. Uh, this Saturday was the official um, introduction of the Biff Pogey. Uh, Error. With a name like Biff, you just can't be cool. Like, you have to this be a guy bully, right? This guy is cool. He's a fucking bully. Look, He looks like Biff from fucking Home Alone. Now, the picture I'm showing you here is my favorite. This was <laughs> Saturday. Look, look at his little mini-me Yeah, next to him. Yeah. It, it kind of looks nice. like you. <laughs> it, it really does. And this was, the, this was what I posted on... Uh, on your from, from secret my, account, from on, my ghost account. Oh my god! The only account that you post on. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. It's pretty good. Now, if only you had made content like that on any other platform that was actually attached to you. That, see, that's me, baby. I like to lurk in the shadow. Oh that's why you wear sunglasses the all the time? <laughs> well, you know, I wear my sunglasses at night. Yeah, I was going to pull some. Um, he he gets mad at the media very quickly. Um, he says ridiculous things. Yep. And uh, I love him. I think this is going to be a failure. He has promised too much. Um, now, granted, I, I do like that he gave half of his salary back to the university to give to the rest of his staff so that they could get a better pay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause he's already got he's, money. He's doing okay. Yeah. Um, but he should get paid for what he's doing, but I don't know, man. I, I think him and what Deion Sanders is doing at Colorado, they want, they beat TCU. No one expected them to do that. They beat the, the defending runner up of the national championship. Mm-hmm. DC, TCU went to the national championship last year and they lost. Um, and they beat them this year. Colorado flipped their entire roster. Uh, no one, they had three returning starters. Dion went over there, flipped the entire <laughs> roster. He's got a five-star guy playing both ways. It's incredible. And I just want to mention this because, again, I think it's important. 
to support characters. And so when we have a guy like Biff Pogey, we have a guy like Dion, I mean, Coach Prime. Yeah. Don't call him Dion. He'll get mad. Uh, you have to call him Coach Prime. I'll do that. Because you know what? I'm a fan. And uh, I think it's, I think it's, it. we're in a very, very interesting time in college football where players are getting paid now. The landscape is all, is brand new. Uh, I mean, conferences uh, realignment is out of this world. Um, It was just announced that Cal and Stanford have joined the Atlantic Coastal Conference. Both of these schools are on the Pacific Ocean. The rest of the teams they're playing on the Atlantic Coast. So now you're going to have college volleyball teams traveling to fucking Clemson, <laughs> South Carolina. All right, I gotta, I gotta, ta- I gotta tap you here. We're so in the weeds here. You've pivoted from sports into geography. So I I'm feel just like I know, but I'm just saying I feel like I probably have the most understanding of what you're talking about, and I'm going cross-eyed. It's now. all right, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just speaking for the Randys out there. I got to look out for him. I know he brought his Niners hat today, but it's really a, it was just a bit. Look at Biff Hoagie. Good time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm more of a Biff Hoagie guy. I don't know. I I just get, uh, I get frustrated when people start, you know, getting angry at these guys for just being themselves. It's sports, dude. I know. It's all about, it's all tribal warfare. I know. And they're all stupid. But see, you're supposed to get mad at them so that you don't get mad at the cashier who's giving you lip. (laughs) That's the way society works, dude. Biff Pogey. (laughs) Oksana, are you going to try and book him? Oh, he would do it. No, he wouldn't. Biff Pogey would do it. He would not. Okay. No, I don't want to talk to Biff Pogey. Why? He scares me. Would it ruin it for you? He kind of would. I don't know if I want to. Tap that glass. Does he smoke cigars? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Does he bully his, co- his cousin, Kevin? He got mad at the um, American Conference um, Media Day when he was only asked two questions. He said, like, well, you picked us last in the conference. I guess nobody gives a shit about us anyway. All right. See y'all later. And then they said, you're banned. And the 400-pound man just leaves. He did have a suit on that day. Oh, okay. He looked sharp. Zoot suit? Zoot suit riot. Let's bring him in. What 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 else happened this week? Anything? I don't think so. We got we got a lot today. It's a it's a uh, long weekend, and um, what we're going no guest, so that means we got room to play today. Oh boy! Which means maybe we'll have sports time coming up later too. We're ahead sports time. Oh, what if pokey? I mean, we'll have. uh, I'm trying to think of a catchy name for food. What's a good food? Grub. Uh, grub time. <laughs> Everything's time related with you. You know, if we had a, a visual element, we could have like a watch for each one. Oh, very nice. Yeah. We really tie in. There. Oh, we got to have watch time. Watch time. Anything new in watch news? Uh, yeah. You don't, you don't seem that interested in it anymore. Well, watches? Yeah. No, I'm still interested. You got what you wanted and now it, you're kind of like. But again, I told you. It's football season. One thing at a time. That's right. Biff Pogey. All right, let's bring him in. I kind of wanted to make him wait out there. He was a little rude today, but uh, start the show officially with Mr. David L. Good morning. It's September 4, 2023, and it's a Monday. 
die three of weekend projects and the fun work train is rolling today. I will be celebrating Labor Day by heading to the front of the train where I will be shoveling coal from the tender into the firebox when needed. Even fun labor projects require a break. And today I'll be eating a standard hot dog and a soft bun with minimal toppings. Everyone have a great day. Whoa, dude, what was <laughs> He was running out of gas towards oh, the man. end there. I'm telling you. Somebody got to shovel coal into him. Well, it was like the day when he read me my birthday poem. Oh, he, was, he was It was up. It was eloquent. And, the, and then the last <laughs> couple lines, it was like he had diarrhea and he had to go. It also opened up sound like he said die. Yeah. Oh, he definitely did. He 100% did. So weird. Big big uh, Princess Die fan, that guy. All right. Now, yet before you uh, hit me with that sports bomb, we had talked uh, prior about me doing a kind of uh, in lieu of TBR thing. TBR. So uh, I got to I gotta get on. Uh, I got to get linked up with Tom again. I know recently he's been looking for a job, so I haven't been bugging him. But he's down in Barbados. <laughs> he was lying to me. He's just fucking around out in Barbados. Um, but we have gotten a new shipment. Uh, last week, Clark opened up three packages from a uh, listener, Rich. And uh, off air, I also opened up three packages. And I, I had an equal amount of great DVDs and actually no Blu-rays. They were all DVDs. I believe he found at a swap meet. Mine were much more um, adventurous. I think there's a 30-minute short. Whoa, 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 whoa. I got racist cartoons. <laughs> I got MTV dramas from 20 years ago. Yeah, you got some edgy shit, dude. dude. I got some weird avant-garde shit. This kind of shit Randy won't watch. Like I got real angry art. white boys. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that is. Wait, he sent you a mirror? Okay. <laughs> so. um Biff Pokey. When I opened it up, it was part of a Blu-ray Tuesday. He also sent a package out to Terrell to open on screen. Again, if you didn't watch that one, uh, you're missing out. In my box, as I was opening all the movies, uh, East Bay cinematographer Jasadi was there. There he is. And was Im immediately, whenever I would open one, he would just take the whole stack and start going through it and give me his commentary. He was just excited about everything. There was one movie in particular, though. He said, bro, you can't watch this without me. I went, oh, fuck. That was going to be the first one I was going to watch. And if you know anything about Jasadi, he'd say he's busy all the time. So when I pulled out a movie called um, September Tapes, I was bummed that uh, Jasadi had imprinted on it. Um, now, Rich also requested that this be the first movie, if I cover any of them, that I cover. Because it is an uh, interesting in-world adventure. Now, normally I read from IMDb. But I think I'm going to go a different route this time. Uh, there was an interesting article that I was put on to put out by the L.A. Times about this film. And I think it kind of it'll highlight the movie in a proper way. So I'm going to read from a uh, L.A. Times article from oh, what year did this come out? Looks like uh, 2004. Now, this movie was filmed in 2002 and it was released in 2004. Hell yeah. Also, coincidence that it's September in the movie. Also, no, I've seen September that movie takes. cover for 19 years. Have you watched it? No. How come you haven't watched it? Because I don't, I don't, I'll. <laughs> you, you pulling a David Lynch right now? 
Because, dude, it's my September 11th. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, here, I'll read from the LA Times article called some, t- some Fact, Some Fake. The scene unfolds before a film crew shooting footage from a balcony overlooking a street in Kabul, Afghanistan's dusty capital. Suddenly, gunfire rings out below. Women scream, men duck and run. The camera jerks to take in a darkly clad gunman opening fire on two cars and the grim aftermath. One dead body is sprawled in a pool of blood. Another is slumped behind the steering wheel. Why? Where are the armed forces? Asked a shaking camera crew member. Where are the news? Where's CNN? I don't see them. The footage from a new film, September Tapes, which opens Friday in Los Angeles, is all the earmarks of a gritty documentary. It was shot on location in Afghanistan in the summer of 2002, just months after U.S. troops launched an investigation uh, an invasion to crush the fundamentalist Taliban government and hunt for al-Qaeda terrorist Osama bin Laden. The Northern Alliance rebels are real, as are the Kabul police officers and other gun-toting Afghanistans who appear on screen. Even the gunfire is real, says filmmaker. But after the aftermath of the shooting on Dusty Kabul Street was... Uh, but the aftermath of that shooting on the Dusty Kabul Street was fictionalized. A few camera tricks and some sharp editing make it appear as the, that the victims... Afghanistan recruit for the film were actually gunned down. Like the Blair Witch Project a few years back, September Tapes is a documentary-style feature film that effectively uses a handheld camera for a low-tech, run-and-gun look that, uh, that alleviates the tension while trying to blur the line between fact and fiction, calling the best that both of these worlds have to offer with, precise, with precision that the filmmakers intend. Um, so the film follows... Uh, this American who I'm, I'm going to deviate from the, uh, the article here and it's supposed to be, um, maybe I shouldn't deviate from the article, but I feel inspired. Oh God. And <laughs> you know, you know what? I'm not getting off the script yet. Um, September takes tells the story of Don Larson, a young American devastated by the September 11th terrorist attacks who traveled to Kabul to make a documentary about bounty hunters who are seeking to capture bin Laden for a 25 million reward. The making of September tapes might be one of the stranger stories to come out of the Afghani conflict. Uh, it is difficult to discern how much real danger the filmmakers faced to hear them tell it. They had guns pointed at their heads at a roadside checkpoint. They hid in the trunk of a car while following a bounty hunter to coast on the Pakistani border of fear of being kidnapped. And once someone targeted them with a red laser beam as they stood on the roof of a building. Every day you felt this immense stress, recalled Johnston. He's the director. We'd get held at gunpoint during a negotiation scene over the merchandise we were trying to get for production. One, uh, our waiter who served us breakfast in the morning had been murdered in our hotel that night. Uh, Peter... Peter Bergen, a journalist and the author of Holy War Incorporated, Inside the Secret World of Osama Bin Laden, saw an advanced screening of September tapes last week in Washington, D.C., and came away liking the film. They showed a lot of courage to doing this film, Bergen said. Just making a film in Afghanistan shows a lot of fortitude. The, the logistics and hassles, you've got power blackouts all the time, and I think they did an honorable job. Um, this is a super long article. I've already cut it down a lot. And where we go in here is there's one uh, character who's playing the translator. In real life, he showed up uh, in Afghanistan a week early because his uncle lived there. And he actually had a Taliban-approved passport. Uh, 
So his idea, the whole idea here was that this small crew, they had like four or five people. The other four were white guys. They sent in their translator character to actually do some um, uh, shot locations to find out where they could shoot, to make connections with people that they could use in the film that actually live there. They had none of this going in. And um, I got to tell you, as a faux doc, this movie's fucking intense and it's hard to find any good coverage. That's why I thought this article was important. Mostly if you go to Rotten Tomatoes, everybody's like, this film shouldn't have been made. It's immoral. They're, they're making money off of a uh, global conflict. And, you know, I think they're not wrong, but I do think that works of art like this become beautiful, like bookmarks in history. Like if you want to know what it looked like in Afghanistan, watch this fucking movie. They're literally in the street, and it reminds me of um. So what what is the what is the moral argument here? Just that they're trying to make money off of a conflict because the oh I, yeah fuck, I know yeah, who gives a shit. It's kind of who gives a shit, but they're also not wrong. But it's also like, well, then what do you want from your art? My problem with with stuff like this it would be like the exploitation of everyday people. That's what I don't like. So in so okay, while watching the film, uh, we follow a dude who is pretty angry about 9-11. And he's like, you know, we're not getting any coverage from there on the ground. So I'm going there. Uh, I have a buddy who's going to translate for me, and we're going to figure it out. I'm going to hire a cameraman, and we're going to make a documentary. Uh, he may have ulterior motives, too. And they do a great job of telling this story. But the whole time, it's got that perfect found footage vibe of, how do they do this? Like they have um, American uh, military vehicles driving down the street with a bunch, like everything you've ever seen, a bunch of soldiers with guns just hanging off the car, looking in the crowd. So it's military. And well, they're not military. They're, they're, they have nothing to do with them, but they're on camera. So you're like, well, how do they do that? Yeah. The answer is they filmed them as they drove by. Like it's that hot. Yeah. Like, so when they're walking down the street, it's almost like David Holtzman's diary. Yeah. Where- you know, the beautiful thing about David Holtzman's diary. So they're filming a found footage movie in the middle of a war zone. Literally. Literally. And it's so bad that, you know, the uh, the translator who went ahead to, like, meet with his uncle, because they were going to stay there. His uncle let him in one night and was like, hey, you know, the thing is, I think a lot of my neighbors might actually be sympathetic to the Taliban. And if they see, like, all these white dudes walking in and out. I, it really doesn't make me feel good, so you got to leave. So they got displaced immediately, and they found a hotel that they could stay in. Again, oh this is not in the movie. This is just a crew trying to make a movie. Yeah. And they went to the hotel, and they, they were accepted, and there was a lot of armed security outside, and they're like, weird. Well, they found out a few days in that the reason that they let these white dudes stay there is because the, the building had a bomb attempt the day before they tried. And it failed, but it, you know... There was, it was about to be blown up. So nobody else was staying at that hotel. So they're like, yeah, you guys could stay. It's cool. Yeah, a bomb discount. <laughs> Which is also the I hotel. take a bomb discount. Dude, well, they didn't know. And it's like, well, what are you going to do? Um, so the film, the first act, a lot of it is travel. And it's kind of like setting the scene. There's some beautiful, like, like if you think Descent into Darkness or like Harmony Kareen, where in like Gummo, you'll have like, you know, a kitchen of people wrestling with furniture. And you're like, this is so weird. Like, somebody couldn't have scripted this. Well, in this one, 
we have a translator and our uh, American who wants to make a documentary sitting in a room with a bunch of Afghanis and they're talking about the conflict and the Americans getting mad. He's like, why doesn't anybody give a fuck? Like they attacked us. And the translator has some of the most nuanced conversation I, that I've heard about nine 11, but uh, that I hadn't heard for 10 years. You haven't heard my other podcast. <laughs> well, he was just talking about like, did you ever think why it happened? And dude, remember this movie came out in 2004. Yeah. I don't know if anybody even wanted to hear that. Yeah. But now everybody talks about it. It's like, well, why did this happen? Yeah. And there's a disconnect and maybe they were the people that weren't heard. And just, I'm like, dude, no wonder Rotten Tomatoes. Everybody's like, this Jeff, movie shouldn't have been made. Jeff Hill can't melt still, dude. Dude. Um, yeah. For, they didn't get into that. <laughs> Building seven. That That is not um, figured out here. But there are like some heavy firefight moments. There are moments where they're driving. So they end up meeting with a, um, a bounty hunter and he's, dog, <laughs> no, not dog. Damn. This guy's much scarier than dog dogs tight. Who, he's got a little castle in the desert out there and him and his troops are driving out to kill Osama bin Laden because they want that, that Bush money. And he's like, yeah, you could stay. Not because he's like sympathetic with America or anything. He just likes the idea of being documented as a uh, like hero. Well, the thing is, it causes them a lot of problems. So they abandon the crew. And every time you meet, like, there's a lot of extras in this movie. Dude, they go to an arms dealer at one point. And, you know, they're going there late at night. And they're like, there's a fucking curfew. We cannot stay here long. And they go to this arms dealer. And there's just AK-47s everywhere in this room. There's a fucking bazooka. And they're playing with it. And, you know, those are all real. So uh, thankfully on the DVD, there's a making of, I think there's a couple of them. There's a 40 minute making of, and I don't know how all of you are nowadays, but I'll throw on a bonus feature and I'll watch a little bit of it just to get like a taste. And then I'll be like, I'll come back to it. And I never do. I watched the whole thing. It's so, they were like, that arms dealer was real. And so they had met up with a dude who was kind of like local mafia, which if you listen to military on the ground in 9-11, that's kind of how the whole war went. You would meet up with like a local mafia and they would kind of tip you off because they didn't want to lose power to a terrorist group or, you know, a local or a new kind of government faction. So they would help the military. Well, they found a dude who looked very cool, Clark. He's not in the movie. Yeah. But he was the type of guy who, you know, you're driving around a military zone and everybody fucking respected him. So you're like, what shit has he done? Well, he helped the production. And he was like, yeah, you, you want to meet somebody who has some uh, arms? He put them in contact with a real arms dealer. So they go in there and all the dudes are like, oh, cool. We're going to be in a movie. And they're like, what do you want on here? And they're pulling out guns and they're like, dude, uh, is this safe? And they started talking about the whole point of the film was just this tension of like, the further we go, the more likely we're not coming back. And they're like, it felt that way making the movie. So when the dude pulls out a bazooka and he's like, oh, would this be cool if I have it in here? And they have like the, you know, I don't know, the rocket you put in there. Yeah. They're just, they're taking pictures. And at a certain point when the production was like, dude, there's a real curfew. Like we do need to leave. So I don't, I highly recommend this movie. And, you know, in the article, they do talk. Here's the thing. Now, I love found footage horror. I love in-world camera shit. I love faux documentaries. And I would be wrong to not mention what I pulled from the last bit of this article. So uh, that that critic, um, Peter Bergen, 
he uh, here's a little bit. He says, uh, what concerned Peter Bergen about the film, though, is how it was marketed. They have to make a decision on how they're presenting it. He said it's either a documentary or a complete work of fiction. There are people there were people at the screening I attended who didn't understand that it was fake, along with the in the. Um, they did this advertising ploy. Um, they created a character named E. Burderton who had uncovered. Now I'm going to read from the article who had uncovered some mysterious war footage of young Americans apparently being attacked by rebels in Afghanistan. Burderton placed movie footage on the internet and then tried to create buzz around it, asking the web if they could identify where the footage was from. So they took the fake footage, like the little bit of this movie that's faked, put it online and then try to create a buzz of, holy shit, look at this conflict, where'd it come from? Now, the filmmaker said our goal was to shed light on the hunt for bin Laden, how effective it is, why it's difficult. And um, uh, let me skip ahead. Uh, recruiter. Yeah, that's all. So they had a fake journalist basically leaking fake information under the guise of it being real. Fake journalist. <laughs> that's the I, I know. They should have just waited 20 years. It could have just been a, you know, Pulitzer Prize winner. They, that is a journalist award, right? Is that books? <laughs> yeah, so I highly recommend this movie. It's um, is that books? Now I will tell you for the the Randy crowd out there who loves art, and they're like, "But how does it look?" What about the Clark crowd that loves fart? <laughs> there is sport. At one point, the uh, American plays soccer with a bunch of kids. Uh, now, football. No football. I'm sorry, and uh, it's kind of beautiful and kind of fucking terrifying. Yeah, because he's out there like because the soccer ball is a bomb. No. <laughs> Although the kids might be. What? Although they did say in the production, one of the kids walked up to them and just started making a motion with, here, I'll do it for Clark. Uh, he just started doing this. And he said, and he pointed at them and he was making the, the I guess if you took both hands and uh, like balled an explosion. them up and then you opened them up like an explosion right by your face and yeah. then we're pointing them to the crew. Yes, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> And they're just like, what are we doing? Little trolls, dude. Dude. Oh, well, and also the football game gets broken up by a random bystander who runs up and breaks it up because they're playing with that dude. So also they worked with the police in a car chase in this movie. And they're like, we, we thought we were going to go to the city limit and kind of drive around. The police took them through the main streets and they're like, nobody on the ground knew. So when they got pulled over and pulling white people out with the guns in their face, bystanders were running out trying to grab the camera equipment because they thought the Americans were filming. So this movie, dude, if you want some like fucking faux reality, I mean, you know, with a film like this, is it fake? Like, I mean, there are people in here playing make believe, but this is that kind of um, gaslight cinema I'm talking about. It's not really it's not really different from like a Borat. Like you're coming in, like we're playing a little game here in yeah. reality. Just this reality. Yeah, except is Borat wasn't filmed in a war. Well, Borat did fuck with Hasidic Jews. Other than Jews. the American culture war. You remember that? Sure. And they chased, he, again, Sasha Baron Cohen said, that was the scariest thing. Now, he also played a gay guy who went hunting with some, with some dudes down South and tried to uh, make advances on them by entering their tent at night. And he said the scariest thing he ever did was walk by some Hasidic Jews in a thong because they were going to kill him. Yeah. So, I mean, it's similar content here. Yeah, but he's a Jew too. So, okay. Maybe you're like Clark and you've seen this cover. Honestly, I think I watched this when it came out 
and I was bored. But this is before I was educated. But now this is Russell 2.0. Yeah, before I got on my Randy hype and I went to a community college. And before I took you got your AI upgrade. <laughs> before I could appreciate what cinema was and I abandoned movies for film. September uh, tapes. I highly recommend that. Oh, and I fucking. Stars, first, I'm I, guessing. Dude, I fucking. Oh, dude. Eight. Yeah, oh, wait. We have an email. What about nine or 11? Um, are, you, are you logged in in the email? What email? Uh, the, the podcast email. I am not. Okay, let me pull. I get, I got to pull something up for you. We have an email um, from a listener on a new rating system that they think we should use. Oh boy! Uh, and I believe it comes with a graph, so that's going to be good. Also, I fucking forgot. Is David Lynch still here? Oh god! We gotta get him back in here. Oh god! Okay, he should be about. He should be David. on the Central Coast by now. David, you fucking idiot! You were freaking out over there. You. We had a new thing. This is the the rich segment. <laughs> It's now time for rich shit. <laughs> Thank you, David. <laughs> Thank you. Now he, I hope he catches his flight. Rich shit. <laughs> By the way, I was I was present <laughs> when the creation of this of the uh, the title of this impending segment. Was oh, there. you heard us talking? Yeah, Jasadi was like, "Oh no, just call it rich shit." Mm. And you were like, "That's pretty good." I was like, "I don't hate it." I was like, let me pitch it to David. If David's down, we'll do it. Oh, boy. David said, do you have a bag of coins? He said, drop them on the table. He's a big fan of Foley work. Yeah. He was like, he's he's a big fan of How To with John Wilson. He liked that episode you did. He said, if you drop them on the ground and let me say it, then I'll do it. He said, let me say it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it. Well, it depends on what kind of coins, dude, and what kind of ground. You oh, know they were I mean? gold. Oh, that's, that's some heft. <laughs> that's going to be a nice, deep sound. No, they were chocolate. Oh, that's a different sound. <laughs> Randy knows. Randy's a Foley guy. I can dabble time to time. Dude, he's a Folio. Folio. My favorite rapper. <laughs> All right. So what is rich shit? Over. September tapes. Go watch it. Um, I don't know if that's streaming anywhere, but if you can, I'm sure uh, you could buy the DVD. You forgot for to play that. I know. I understand. I didn't play any. It was a retroactive I could theme. It was a. It was supposed to lead into it. You were supposed to do it. I. <laughs> he got out of here. He started God. acting weird at the end of that monologue. Well, you're the one who turned him into a robot. So <laughs> I didn't turn him into that. We pay him a lot of money, so I demand more. That's fair. Randy Michaelstad. Yes, sir. Over there in Atlanta, Georgia. How's oh, how's yeah. the, how's the weather been over there? Uh, it's cooling down finally. I mean, we still get like a little bit of a uh, 90 degrees for a couple hours, but uh, it's been nice in the mornings. I get a little Nick Lachey. <laughs> no, not that hot. Okay. Not anymore. But yeah, yeah, it's been good. I don't know. I think it, it could be a little bit of a false fall. I think that's what we're having here. I, false flag. I, I imagine, so, yeah. I imagine Russell and Oksana, we're going to have uh, maybe another week somewhere between here and October, where it's going to be hot. And I think we're done. I think overall, we've been pretty lucky. Don't they call that an Indian summer? Indian summer. Yeah. Indian summer would be a late summer. But it's also that get canceled? a false fall. <laughs> but I don't know if we get False that. flag, Indian summer. We can't say any of it anymore. That's true. All right, Randy. So help us out with uh, some PC words here. And uh, <laughs> be sure you don't upset anybody in your impending movie. 
Sure. Yeah. This uh, movie review also has, it stars a, um, a football player in it too. So we can oh, football? the football going. Dude, I know. I am so excited. I was, I was iffy on this movie. And then when I saw his involvement, a hundred percent sold. Uh, yeah, so we're talking about uh, Emma Seligman's new movie. Uh, she did Shiva Baby. Her new movie is called Bottoms, uh, which also stars Rachel Sennett from Shiva Baby, and she also co-wrote uh, with Emma Seligman. And it also stars uh, Ao Adabiri from The Bear, and uh, she was in Theater Ayo. Camp, and a bunch of people who I haven't really seen before, but everyone <laughs> in this movie was really good. Marshawn Lynch plays a teacher. Uh, at the high school, and I had no idea who he was until the end credits. I was like, oh, okay, I know that name, but I didn't. I thought he was great and very funny in the movie, but I had no clue that's who that was. Bro, he's Richmond, California's own. Oh, damn, I should I should know more. Yeah, he's from he's from <laughs> Richmond. He still lives in Richmond. He went to oh, uh, yeah. Berkeley, and uh, yeah, dude, Marshawn Lynch is the best. He's the best. he's fun, but uh, yeah, basically the so the IMD IMDb basically just says. Uh, Movie is about two unpopular queer high school students that start a fight club to have sex before graduation. Uh, so, yeah, the two that's main what, characters. That's what happened for me, so I don't, I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> Randy, they stole your idea. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> the, the two main characters, uh, PJ and Josie, uh, like I said, they are... Strong lesbian names. <laughs> yeah, I'll say that right <laughs> now. I mean, if, if, you're, if you're two young girls and, they, and you're given... But PJ and what was the other one? Josie. Oh, wait. Wasn't that the uh, character names from Broad City or whatever? No idea. <laughs> I, 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 didn't do, I, didn't, I didn't do the Broad City. I wish them well. Who did? A lot of people. It was a big show. No, Very popular show. It was pretty big. Nobody who listens to this show. That's probably fair. <laughs> yeah, you basically, you start off the, the movie, uh, you're kind of introduced to them and you're introduced to the world of this high school, which is very comedic and very heightened. Like, uh, the whole high school is obsessed with one of the football players whose name is Jeff. And it's just very like, and you know, everyone is like in real life in their twenties playing teenagers. Like you see in a lot of like, you know, nineties comedies and stuff like that before too. So it's kind of riffing on, uh, all that stuff. It's, it's very comedic, very funny. A lot of, uh, it's a lot of visual gags too. I would maybe go see it again, just to like pick up a little more on stuff that's like going on in the background. But uh, yeah, some uh, there's like a um, an inciting incident uh, with the with PJ and Josie and Jeff um, in the beginning of the movie, and then when school starts, there is this rumor that PJ and Josie uh, went to juvenile hall like over summer or like were there previously. Um, so everyone thinks that they're very like tough, and they start like going along with it, and they decide to start a sort of female empowerment club or whatever at their high school that eventually turns into uh, a fight club. And so they have to pretend like they're badasses. And um, yeah, like I said, they they basically, um, each of them have a crush on a different, one of the like hot popular cheerleaders. And they're like, oh yeah, if we start this club, then we can like, you know, hopefully get them to join and then we'll like get closer to them and we'll be able to like fuck them essentially. <laughs> um, uh, it's, it's very right. funny. And uh, yeah, things... Things ensue. It's very funny. It gets rather violent uh, at times. Not like horror movie violence, but there's some there's some blood and some gore, um, which I thought worked pretty be. well. But uh, 
yeah, overall, like I said, I, I had a very good time watching this movie. It's very fun. Um, everyone in it is very good. Um, very smart writing. Uh, a lot of, there's probably a lot of jokes in here too that you would miss, um, like laughing at the previous joke. It's like pretty quick, uh, with the writing and everything. Um, I don't think I like it as much as Shiva baby and like the tone of it just like felt so completely different than Shiva baby that it took me like a minute to sort of like get into this sort of like zany, like high school, very heightened, like, um, sex comedy type of thing. But, um, I don't know. I'm a pretty, pretty big fan of it. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's worth a watch. How many stars? Three and three times. Oh, 3.75, Russell. (laughs) I I redacted my four because I went back and I saw Shiva Baby. I gave four. It's like, I definitely don't like it as much as Shiva Baby. So I went to 3.5. You can't do it. Randy, don't compare them. You can give them both a four. There's enough room. That's true. Yeah. Um, The Marshawn Lynch bump, dude. You know, (laughs) now the the only (laughs) rebuttal. I got to pee. I'll be right back. I got to call it a rebuttal. On Instagram, I know a lot of people have been going to see this movie, and there's almost like a pent-up anger in them. I don't know. It comes across as very aggressive when everybody's Mm. like, hey, this movie's fucking good, and y'all said they can't make raunchy comedies or R-rated comedy anymore. This is it, so you better go watch it. I'm like, "What, what the fuck does that mean? So the vibe I was getting is that it's kind of like they're not getting into like, uh, I don't know, hairy maybe walking the line of PC culture, but like they're actually secure within that. Is it because the characters are like um, lesbian or like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it, I, I'm trying to think now, but there was definitely some lines where uh, some language was used that I like thought was not like incredibly edgy, you know, but I don't think it's like trying to skirt that like completely. It's trying to like sort of deal with, I don't know, conversation. And essentially, like, the two main characters are, like, toxic masculinity, but they're, like, females, you know? They're, like, trying to, like, start this club so they can fuck girls. Um, So it's dealing with all that kind of stuff and sort of, like, sort of turns it on its head um, in an interesting way. Yeah, I mean, and I get it, too, because I totally agree. I I don't think masculine, like, testosterone is toxic. I just think they're a fucking douchey people out there and you know i also believe in equality and women can totally do it too i know a couple who are the most misogynist motherfuckers i've ever met um they massage a lot so yeah i don't know i'm pretty interested in it again i'm not a huge uh marshawn lynch fan i'm more of a brother lynch fan i would uh (laughs) (laughs) marshawn lynch is tight not as cool as brother he calls quesadillas quesadillas oh isn't that fun that's quirky i like it yeah. Quesadillas. It was a good one. Yeah. Oh Chicken and cheese. <laughs> that was a famous line from his uh one of his Brooklyn nine nine appearances. Sixty nine. Oh, hell yeah. Oh Brooklyn sixty nine. <laughs> Coming soon. The hunt for Osama bin Laden. <laughs> hell yeah. Yeah, dude, I don't know. I can I tell you I wasn't I wasn't I get a little uh I don't love high school movies. Well you didn't sure. love high school, so correct. Also, I feel like you had a unique experience with a very tiny high also school. Also correct. So it's like, yeah. I don't know. It, 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 when, I see a, I, when I see a high school movie, I yeah. take it as a fantasy movie. And okay. that's why I take out. Because I, like, I don't know what this world is. I'll, you know, I think <laughs> it's a very um, worn path for storytelling. 
Because it's just one of those things where human nature repeats it all the fucking time. And also, it's one of those things to where I, I just... Hmm. I don't... I guess I don't put trust in the... In using high school students students <laughs> as a medium for entertainment because of how uh, smooth and <clears throat> smooth their brain is. Yeah, but it... it, it it is learning how to navigate adulthood. Yeah. It's the end of But in the most basic form. Yeah. I'm it's tired. Which is why it it's always popular. just seems tired and um I don't know. Well, that's why when Superbad came out and everybody loved it, I was very proud to be more of a walk hard fan. <laughs> where I'm like <laughs> I'm like and I, I mean the parody is you don't get much more uh lowbrow you talk about low-hanging fruit. It's the parody film. Except John C. Riley elevated that, and I loved it. Well, Walk Hard was a enormous failure. Yeah, but it's so good. Enormous failure. And it, ca- it finally caught on like a decade later. People were like, hey, this movie's pretty good. Yeah. I think that it was too good for what it was. And I think it was too close to um, Walk the Line. Yeah, yeah. And because it, it was only a few years difference. Which I've never seen. And I think. But that's the power of a parody. It's what, it's what you think. It's 100%. Yeah. I just think that it was um, it was too good for what it was. And people just didn't know what to do with it. As far as like a genre, like a subgenre. Because pop star is the same way. Well, here's the thing. I think parody films are almost just broadly terrible. And it's because they take the premise of we're going to make fun of a movie. But they always lose that focus. So by the like, even one that I love, Scary Movie, Scary Movie Two, like it, it's not even Scream anymore, and it starts opening up broader and broader because they're trying to touch cultural touchstones. Yeah, and I think Walk Hard like stayed focused while also being like a fart movie, a hundred percent. Yeah, and that's why it's it's brilliant because the thing with Walk Hard is like you can see the effort. Oh yeah, and my favorite thing about Walk Hard was the music. I listen to those songs still to this day. Oh the yeah, the soundtrack is great. Let's do it. And and Love how it. and how they all his Bob Dylan stuff he yeah. did, and like all the different faith, like they committed to everything, and it was, and everything was perfectly done. Now remember, you can't say Bob Dylan around Oxana. I know she's a huge fan. Well, she studied him. Yeah, vigorous. She got a master's degree in Bob Dylan. I wasted a lot of money on his bullshit. <laughs> so and much venom. Bullshit music. No, okay. <laughs> you say that. You say that. But did you ever watch the footage of him and the soy bomb guy no. at the Grammys? She did read the book that he wrote on shrooms or whatever, though. I read about a page and then I was like, I'm not wasting my time with this. <laughs> Dylan, Dylan's the best. <laughs> with, well, you, should, you should watch that at the Grammys. You know what I'm talking about, right? No. When the soy bomb guy. I he's a soy boy. You don't remember oh. Soy Bomb? What is that? Oh my god! All right, pull it up. Pull it up. Oh my god! Soy Bomb. I think it's the 1999 Grammys. Uh, this guy Dylan is playing a set on TV on the Grammys, and a guy comes on stage as shirtless and just has Soy Bomb written on his chest, and he's dancing like this, and and Dylan just keeps playing music, and then they finally get him off stage. And Dylan's just like, he's just looking around, but it like did not break character at all. Oh. And uh, uh, yeah, painful. and people didn't know what was happening. It's on YouTube. 
Okay. I don't, like, do we want to pull Soy bomb. In? I'm just yeah. saying. I'm just saying. All right. Ice water in his veins. But dude. to uh, close out the tangent on Randy's <laughs> segment, uh, Walk Hard, the most valuable thing about that was the way it defined tropes for a subgenre that nobody gave a real shit about until now. Good job, Dewey Cox. Bottoms. Three quarters. 3.3. No, 3.75. True. Thank you. That's how math works. <laughs> All right, Randy Michael. Now you're going to talk about TV or some shit? I think so, yeah. I think we already uh, blew all of our John Wilson talk up front, but just want to say that uh, How To With John Wilson. Uh, I don't think that HBO, made air. It, uh, no, it didn't. But still, <laughs> It could. <laughs> we already talked about it for like 10 minutes straight. We could do it again. Let's fake it. But yeah, it, uh, it, it ended this, uh, this past week, and it was a disturbing episode in uh, <laughs> some parts, but uh, I thought it was... <sighs> uh, uh, <laughs> A rather good ending. Uh, I thought the last two definitely did uh, some sort of different stuff. And it kind of like almost had, I don't know, there's almost sort of like an arc this season a little bit, um, which may not work for Russell, but maybe works for me (laughs) uh, based on our discussion earlier. But uh, yeah, I just enjoyed the movies as he calls them. You know, he did make, they were movies on his, website before he got picked up by HBO, but um, I don't know. I think it's like one of the more uh, solid runs. If you want to call it a TV show, I've uh, enjoyed every episode and uh, sad to see it go, but hopefully he'll be doing some more stuff in the future. I think one of my favorite things about this show is the, it's sort of an examination of him as a person. You know what I mean? Like he's, he has put, himself out there and i think for a show i think three seasons of of this and you know each each season is about what eight episodes or so so we've got about think so, you know, yeah. less than 30 eps or so um with the amount of editing i i i would be so interested to know his process of um because he has a the, team or has had a team at least for this HBO run definitely has to because yeah. the amount of footage that's that's going through here, and uh, he even you know touches the subject in and I think it's the last episode of just um, you know there are times where he can't find anything interesting, <laughs> and um, it's just it's just the amount of time of him looking at the world through a camera lens. Yeah. is how he's experiencing his life. It's like, you know, it's so much time and effort has gone in here and, you know, to get, you know, a 22-minute episode, yeah. you know, could it's take taken, a year. Took like if not more. multiple cross-country road trips this season. He went to Burning Man in that yeah. one episode, and then this last one ended in, like, Phoenix, Arizona area. He went to Pennsylvania. Yeah, Tennessee. Not that far out of New York, but, yeah. yeah. What, Tennessee, I know? Yeah. Um, yeah, blew up a car in Tennessee. That's a little tease for you. Or did he? Or did he? That was fun. Um, yeah, uh, and to to mirror the point about Randy's uh, talking about it being a depressing episode, it's a depressing episode. Um, I heard him on a podcast um, tease sort of the last episode because they were asking him um, just sort of like 
you know, what he was doing next or whatever, how he was going to end. And he's like, after the last episode, I'm not sure that people would want more just because of how that episode ends. Yeah. But again, it's all, it's real. And I, it, it all feels very genuine. And it also feels like, um, that how he is portraying, um, his subject matter and everything is just, um, we're just getting an inside look at him too. Um, I found an interview with him and, uh, Whoever the interviewer is asked, do you have any idea how much footage you have stored? He said, I don't. Thousands of hours, just days and days of footage. All the tiny B-roll snippets I alone shot for this season took like 20 hours or something. It's overwhelming. I'm really bad at numbers like that. I should probably ask my assistant editors for that answer because you're not the first person to ask. He said, do you have any method of organizing your personal footage? He said, yeah, they're all in folders sorted by days they were shot on. And I'm constantly referencing what I did on that day. Within that day, I'll make selects of the funniest, most interesting B-roll that could fit anywhere. The assistant editors do a lot of that stuff for me as well. They tag everything and they lump it into a folder for the editors and try to interpret the footage and figure out what episode it should go in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, that makes sense. I, um, you know, you're going to hate what I'm going to say. Yeah. But there'd be a really easy way to train an AI to deal with Jesus that. Jesus <laughs> You've got you to gotta stop this shit. No, it's just a you, tool, no, you got to stop this shit. you got to stop. you got to stop. Hey, John Wilson, this is for you. Uh, let's let's collab, bro. I'll, uh, you know, David, we're good friends. I can fly him over there. <laughs> he could organize thousands of hours of footage very quickly for you. Place you with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you know what? He'll also blow up a car for you. All right, Randy. Anything else, Bab? Uh, no, not really. I uh, I won't talk about it a lot because I know we've it's probably been discussed on the show, and I'm also incredibly late to it. But for some reason, I never watched, or maybe I never finished, The House of the Devil, and I watched it last night. I think for the first time, and loved it. It's great. Oh, weird. Trying to you get do know my, that it's a uh, horror movie, Randy. I do. I'm trying to get on my, uh, you know, my fall movie watching uh, before fall actually happens. So, oh yeah, you fucking <laughs> Halloween tourist. God damn you, Randy. Well, Randy, Hell you also yeah. you mentioned to me another movie. Are you not going to talk about the other movie you saw? Yeah, I watched the Pope's the Pope's Exorcist. Uh, yeah. Okay. With, uh, what's his name? And uh, it was all right. All right. CG. <laughs> I um, there's a lot of CG. I um bought that movie on Blu-ray. Hell yeah! For some reason. <laughs> People come over all the time and they're like, you bought it? Like multiple people have found that movie on the shelf and they're like, wait, really? I'm like, I haven't watched it. So if you're looking for Dude, something like. it's pretty good. Yeah, I remember you <laughs> saying that. I like it. Um, but enough about that. Uh, Randy, what did you think of House of the Devil? It rips, dude. It's good. Love the cinematography. It looks like a 70s movie, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very good. Great Our boys in it. in it until she gets shot in the face. Um, <clears throat> oh my God, I forgot Greta Gerwig's in this movie. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Donahue though, you know. She's really good too, yeah. She really anchors that movie by just looking of the era. And I remember yeah. Ty West talking about like, if she didn't, like he cast it based on looks, which I guess could be a little bit of faux pas nowadays. Um, Lena Dunham is a voice in this? Get the fuck Apparently, Yeah, dude, this yeah. movie's stacked, dude. We got Tom Noonan. Tom Noonan. Wallace. We got a uh, fucking... Um, with AJ Bowen? AJ Bowen. Whoa, that's a weird picture for AJ Bowen on fucking IMDb. Yeah. But he's good in it. Um, 
So Randy, uh, Ty West, after putting out this movie, was the one who articulated his hate for the phrase slow burn. And he said, you know, I it's the first movie that's really gotten out there and people have been able to watch. And I, I talk to people and I want their honest opinion of it. And they give me this catchphrase, which kind of is a uh, everything they're going to say about my movie in one in one toss. And it's slow burn and they have nothing to expand on. And that's the reason why I don't use that anymore. Because I, I completely agree. I think it's my favorite movie of his. I don't know. I really like it, but again, you know, it became such a cultural thing. Like, people were like, oh, horror's back. I remember yeah. I watched it at the fucking, I think I watched it at the Lumiere. That's how long ago it was. Wee wee. Damn. Yeah. I, I know I watched it at a, a currently defunct theater out here. But, um, yeah, I've been talking a lot about The Sacrament lately. So I've been Stinks. thinking about going back and watch that. Nah, it's, it's, I should rewatch it. It's not what I wanted, but it's good. I like it. Um, Still haven't watched the Western. Yeah, he's got a fucking dude. Look at it's fu- look at all the work he's done, and then now people know him because of X or yeah. like um, Pearl. Don't give it to you. It's like, dude, he's got a whole Pearl drink. over X. Uh, no, I take X. Pearl's good. X is boring. Yeah, but Pearl is more like um, soft food for A twenty four fans, where X is a gritty horror film. No, Pearl's cool. I like Pearl. Pearl is cool. I like the aesthetic of Pearl. I know. Uh, X is so would my mother. And boring. And yes, that was an insult. (laughs) (laughs) X stinks. X is great. X is alligator. Fantastic. Old people love it. Also, that that porn dude was great. I liked him. Yeah, he was cool. I knew. I knew you did. That's why I I give him two times. And then Oksana, (laughs) who is your who is your favorite in X? How do you say his name? Kid Cootie. Uh, yeah. She was about to say it. Oh, yeah. Kid Cootie. <laughs> oh, because his last name is Miss Cootie. Oh. Kid Miss Cootie. Or, or Miss <laughs> Thank you. All right. All right. Um, so we're going to. Are you want to do. Talk about yeah, our. We, our we big do have adventure? an email. Oh, the big no. Or do I we want to do this? I think we got to get to the email first. Right. It's my fault. Um, You're just making this episode way longer. It's fine. It's a holiday. We were talking before when we recorded for 40 minutes before we started the show. Yeah, we started two hours. Randy later. was like, "Guys, I'm so bored." John Wilson killed himself, and now I just I don't have anything else to do. And um, it's like, fine, Randy, let's hang out. Do you want me to read this? We could talk. Uh, yeah, but I am currently stalling to try and find my female bag standing. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me intro you in. <laughs> That's the female bag. That's the worst one. <laughs> I like it. What is that? Popcorn? No, it's a bag. It's like a oh, fucking. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. It's pretty bad. All right. This is from uh, listener Sam, uh, who was on microphone for a very brief time a few weeks ago. We well, snuck in and then I, I pointed. I said, do you want one? He said, no. And then we were talking about a film and he felt compelled to get in there. And nice issue. What, what the fuck were we talking about? Talk to me. Uh, Talk to me. That's right. He's more on my side. Yeah, no, I should have cut his mic. I should have never let him. Also, on. did he get in there about Twisted Metal a little bit? Yeah. By Huge way, fan. Finished Twisted Metal. It's you did? I did. You're a Because that Doughboy, you're such a fucking. Oh, well, oh my uh, God. they uh, may have killed him off. Good. <laughs> Took too long. I would have been watching. Dude, something. no, the thing is, is like they ended the first season in, in a post credits thing. 
to where oh god uh, sweet tooth comes back and kidnaps uh bitch from doughboys again <laughs> Because he thought he escaped from Sweet Tooth. Sweet Tooth is like, nope, we got more work to do. Sweet Tooth is a reoccurring character? Oh, yeah. I fucking hate it. Oh, no, you missed it. Uh, In the last episode, he sets his hair on fire and it's tight. John Wilson should have carbombed that show. It's not bad. Then a car would have at least exploded. Twisted Metal, five stars. (laughs) Out of 50. Samuel Pierce. Sup, fuckers. (laughs) (laughs) I'm about to blow your mind with the perfect movie rating system. The 12-star system, (laughs) a.k.a. the rating wheel. Now, what he has here is he has a pie graph uh, in 12 different segments. And uh, also, color is involved, and that is where I am out. I feel Uh, like we need background music. Can I I say where I I was out? Yeah. 12 is divisible by 2, so it could just be a six-point system. Well, Randy, let's hold yeah. your, hold your horses here because okay, we've okay. got we've got quite the uh, the rules and, and legend. Here. No, wait, so. hold on. We need to have a uh, little behind the curtain production meeting. Randy, can I put in betting music here? Or will you do it in post? I'll do it. No, I, I, I don't know. Do it. We got. A quick I, I got some. I got some blowback about the whale noise. It's a quick turnaround today. It's a quick. All right, let's do it. I'll do it right now. All right, I don't have a huge selection, so here we go. Go ahead. Just can you. Oh, oh. Are we good? <laughs> yeah. The rating wheel combines the best elements of the four system and the 10 star system by providing four equal segments with three potential ratings in each. So, Randy, you following so far? Sort of, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, one to three stars, unwatchable, awful, bad. Four to six stars, mediocre, tolerable. Middling, seven to nine stars. <laughs> so so, fine, kind of good. Ten to twelve stars, good, excellent, great. It can also be broken down into three segments of four: one to four stars, bad; five to eight, average; nine to twelve, good. Because of the equal segments in this breakdown, is also easy to split the whole thing in half. One to six stars, do not recommend. (laughs) Seven to 12, recommend. (laughs) The biggest advantage of this system is providing an exact midpoint, 50%, at six out of 12 stars, which is not possible with a five or 10 star rating system, even with half stars. You can also give exactly 25% or 75%, which, in my opinion, is the best feature of the four star system. Perhaps the best part of this system, however, is that it's basically nonsense, making it easy to change your rating depending (laughs) on who you're talking to. For example, I might tell Randy that Terrence Malick's The Tree of Life is a four-star movie. If he asks how many stars that's out of, I can say, uh, four stars, leaving him none the wiser that I've actually given a modern classic a 33%. Similarly, I can tell Russell that I give Dashcam eight stars, which is a good rating on a tale of eight, but only a fine rating on a scale of 12. As for Clark, I just tell him the truth because he has good taste. (laughs) Also, that is not an editorial note. (laughs) That is straight from the text. I'm so sorry you all had to read this. Cheers, Sam. Tree of Life is 12 out of 12, by the way. I also agree. I love, I love, I think tree they need life. to uproot that tree and chop it up for B roll and hey, how to tree alive. Uh, you want to measure my estrogen right now, dude? 
There, <laughs> there are two movies. There are two movies that affected me in a way that I didn't know how to describe. It. All right, Bottoms or Bottom from two, 2010. It, 2001: A Space Odyssey and Tree of Life. <laughs> You're oh, yeah. such a hack. I know. Oh my! I know. I know God. what that sounds like, but it's true. It's wow, true, dude. <laughs> I love those movies, man. Those are great movies. True Life's good. Do you have you seen any Terrace Malick? Um, I watched Tree of Life one time, but I was drinking so much that I blacked out. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only way you fucking watch art, you idiots. <laughs> no, the only way you watch Tree of Life is that mushrooms um, is at a Cine Arts Theater in Palo Alto, California, um, where you were the youngest person there by fifty years. <laughs> it was a pretty packed theater, too. Um, I don't think that theater's there anymore. So I think we all need to adopt this rating system now. I don't hate he, it. He did make a graph too. I feel like the effort is commendable, and uh, well, it's Sam. You know, I'll I'll, I'll pour it. He's a champion. No, the problem the problem with the dude that uh, wrote this is that he's a fantastic writer, and probably it probably took him a minute. Yeah. To like, and you want to bitch about AI? He's doing it quicker. Yeah, I'm pro Sam over AI. <laughs> it's not even close. No, hire hire David, hire David L. Not Samuel. No, Samuel. <laughs> All right. So I'll bring that over into Discord. If you're in there, I'm gonna. Force All right. So I think it. I think we should take this under review, and uh, decide if we want to make this as the official Overlook Hour <laughs> rating system. I, I I don't know. I think it could be kind of proprietary, and uh, I've got no problem stealing this from Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he donated it or cursed it. He he hexed oh, the he, show. He hexed it. That's yeah. Fine. All right. Well, uh, is it time to talk about um, yeah. our discovery that your we show, did this baby. week? Um, this is so. I'll. I, I have it. Here's the deal. I think a couple weeks ago, I had seen that um, the movie that we are about to talk about. Well, we're talking about two movies here uh, from the same director. Now, this guy has been on my radar for a little while. Um, because, uh, it, not only my radar, I would say Russell's in, in Oksana's as well. Randy, I don't know. Uh, Randy probably knows a, a little bit as Randy has left the room. Uh, Randy <laughs> probably knows. I mean, he couldn't have gotten I'm going to give Randy a two-star rating on the 12 scale. So Neil Breen is a guy that has been on my radar for a while because, uh, our radar, we generally have weirdos on our radar. Outsider. Outsider art yeah. would be, you know, sort of if you had to blanket statement of, uh, you know, your, your, your Ed Woods, your Tommy Wiseau's, and now you've got Neil Breen. Neil Breen is a man in his, I'd say, mid-60s. Um, he used to sell real estate and was an architect in Las Vegas, Nevada. And if you take a look at Neil Brain, you'll be, you'll go, uh-huh, yep, that checks out. He looks exactly like he sold real estate in Las Vegas uh, for 30 years. In 2005, Neil Breen decided that he wanted to make a film. And so he did. And, uh, Russell, do you kind of know who, uh, based upon the, the minimal amount of research that I've done, uh, <laughs> trying to, to queue up, um, our, our, our introductory and deep dive into the Neil Breenaverse. Um, do you know who kind of, 
I'm going to say is a, a direct contributor to um, Neil Breen being in the uh, spotlight of the public. I imagine it's like the Alamo or Fantastic Fest or you're, something. You're, 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 the sniff Agfa. is... Agfa. We're very close. Okay. I, but I would say that uh, I should mention that this gentleman has been on this show. The guy who I would say is attributing to bringing Neil Brain into the spotlight has been on this very program. Um, I don't know. Cinefamily. Oh, Brett? Yep. Oh, what? He did? Yep. Okay, so then, yeah, that's Agfa, Alamo, everything, yeah. Yep. Now, just before you go on, I the... Only thing I knew about Neil Breen was when Kristen Lee came over. If you listen to the show for a while, you know, directors of Dead Dicks came over from uh, Canada to show their film at Another Hole in the Head when we were presenting. And that was uh, uh, like four years ago. By yeah. The way. <laughs> and uh, their tenderloin, you know, back when the tenderloin was easy, <laughs> it, yeah. was, it was nice. That's true. Um, there, it was too much. And uh, they stayed with us. And I remember. No, I will say. It was a rough, it was, it was. Oh, it was rough then, but it now rough. it's even. No, but I'm saying, I, I took them to the place <laughs> and I felt bad. <laughs> well, here's the thing. They were over here and Chris, um, he's my favorite type of person to have. He'll just like finger through the whole collection downstairs. And he asked, oh, do you, you Neil Breen guy? And I was like, I don't know who that is. And honestly, beyond him bringing that up. And yeah. I think he showed me some YouTube videos. Nothing. I didn't watch a movie. I hadn't looked up anything. So that's where I am. Yeah. Well, uh, take us to about a week ago where uh, I was perusing the um, Alamo Drafthouse application on my uh, information phone and uh, saw that Neil Breen's newest film was showing at the Alamo Drafthouse. Cabrini Green? Cabrini Breen. Cabrini Damn, I fucked that Breen. up. It was right there. It was on a T, and I fucking whipped. Dude, Neil Breen is Candyman. That'd be tough. <laughs> Cabrini Breen. <laughs> Cabrini Breen's pretty good. Um, yeah, edit that out, Randy. Make it funny. <laughs> <laughs> I just posted it. my joke in the chat instead of actually saying it. Oh, uh, Neil Breen. Boo. Neil Breen. <laughs> Neil Breen only needs one mic, my friend. <laughs> so. What was that? A burp? That was a big indigestion. It looked like it hurt. Yeah. yeah. It, I didn't think it was going to take you 15 seconds. You said so and your cheeks puffed up and your face turned red. Ooh, I don't know what's going on, dude. I was chugging Pepto yesterday. <laughs> it took a shit this morning. It looked like a marble rye. Oh, it's probably a result of our double feature. Man almighty. All right. So um, his newest movie was showing uh, this week at the Alamo. Um, which was a sequel to his uh, 2017 film, uh, Twisted Pair. I had to pull it in my house. I know it's somewhere here. And now his newest film is called Cade the Tortured Crossing. So I had seen this a couple weeks ago, and I immediately, first thought was, like, oh, I got to tell you guys about it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't. I forgot. And then I went back. I was like, oh, well. And I told you guys about like two days before. I was like, hey. Thinking about going to this, because at this, you had known who Neil Breen was, but we had not dived into no. it. And it seemed like, all right, well, if now there's an ever an opportunity for us to, you know, give this guy a, a fair shot and, you know, this is absolutely in our wheelhouse, let's give it a go. 
And so, but we did want to prepare, Randy. You know, that's what we do on this show. So knowing that Cade the Tortured Crossing was the sequel to Twisted Pair, I went to young Russell Fisher and I said, Russ, fire it up, baby. Let's let's take a look at Twisted Pair. So I wish that's how it happened. That's, that's you were like you want to go and I'm like dude let's try I, it was a late screening and I'm like it's hard to get a babysitter at night but we could probably figure it out and then like the next day you're like I think it's a sequel and then we're like well does that matter <laughs> is he the type of filmmaker who you really need to prepare going in and you're like probably not yeah no 100 but we still want to do it. also you have no chill dude let me tell a story <laughs> <What> the, <I've, laughs> let me tell I feel a story like the nuance of the reality is much more interesting because it was it was a weird thing we're like this is outsider art we already are kind of crunched all week it's like are we really going to do homework for a movie like this and i'm glad you were we down. did i'm glad we did we did and we dragged Jasadi in too <laughs> and east bay cinematographer Jasadi perkins came by and uh, he had no idea no. what we were doing. Uh, th- and that's something I, I think we both kind of take enjoyment out of is uh, not giving people context for things. No. I think you enjoy it more than me sometimes. Well, I didn't have any context either. So I would have been looking up shit and trying to like middleman it. I don't know. Fuck it. But what I mean, you know, like we said, Neil Breen, basically what he's doing is is very similar to that of um, – you know, a, a, a Tommy Wiseau type of character, Ed Wood. These are movies that are made by people that Nigel Bach. that fall. Uh, <laughs> Nigel Bach, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, that fall outside of the traditional studio yeah. narrative, and they do things their own way. And they, I mean, he they have their own language, and it's certainly their own film language, and it's unlike anything you have ever seen. And for people that watch as much, um, you know content as we do um these things stand out and there's something special uh that kind of uh lives in the middle uh, with weird things like this so we'll start quickly with twisted pair from 2018 um guys there's not a (laughs) here's the thing when you're talking about these movies 90 percent if not a hundred percent is green screen yeah. I, I think I, I'm I'm convinced that Cade the Torture Crossing 100% was green screen. Yeah. I think we have less of that. Don't we? I think we've got actual some natural sets in Twisted Pair. Or is it 100%? Yeah. No, green no. Screen? Yeah. There's like an office building he's in. Okay. Yeah. But they with, go in that weird like front area of that complex that yeah. looks like an. Yeah. Okay. Twisted Pair. Identical twin brothers <laughs> become hybrid AI entities yet are torn in different directions to achieve justice for humanity ignore everything i just said nothing in this makes sense at all (laughs) here's what you need to know neil breen is playing two versions he's playing brothers he's playing twin brothers one he has a glued on fake beard (laughs) and that and he is wet most of the time his face is soaking wet Probably with uh, beard glue, and uh, there are also fake mustaches. I mean, one one honestly looked like it was a piece of tape that they just got a marker on and made a mustache for one of the guys he put in the torture chamber. It looked like a it looked like the mustache stopped sticking, yeah. so they scotch taped it on. Hundred percent, copious amount of green screen, copious amounts of him not keying things correctly in said green screen, uh, making things uh, you know fun. Well, Clark, you know. The IMDb synopsis are usually bad, so don't be too hard on it. 
Could you, could, how would you describe that movie? I don't, exactly. I just think you should uh, let people know where you got that description from. I got that description <laughs> from his own movie poster. His movie posters are also a, a work of art. Um, they, they give a lot of information, um, on the, uh, we know that it is an hour and 29 minutes. It is made in the USA. Um, it is written, produced, and directed by Neil Breen. Um, he also, uh, another, uh, hallmark that we are noticing in Neil Breen movies are his, uh, credit sequences, um, where he just likes to put his name everywhere. That was one of the things when I got into the room and I started reading like literature about it, which is a weird thing to say, but like people who really look at outsider art and take it like seriously, one of the faux pas of this would be the credit, like giving your yourself multiple opportunities in a credit role to just throw your name up. And Tommy was guilty of it in the opening, like establishing shots of the movie. Like his name would just keep appearing. Yeah. So now it's the thing I look for. And I think Neil Breen has him beat. I, uh, yeah. Well, Tommy, it, cause Tommy would have like, it would all be, uh, pre credit. Yeah. And in the, in the giant intro. thing, it would be like the universal, but with Tommy and then like the MGM, but with Tommy, it's like yeah. those things. Neil was just like, he would, he would stretch everything out. Um, you know, uh, you know, colorist Neil Breen. Yep. Edited by Neil Breen. Best Casted. boy, Neil yep. Breen. Everything. Everything. And that's fun. Uh, I mean, you know, the man did it. Um, I didn't even notice that his fucking poster had the synopsis and the runtime and the country of origin. And, like, and the uh, hyperlink. Yeah, fucking web. Dude, It that poster is like, I don't know. It feels like akin to Andy Warhol. Like it's kind of looking at. But a, the thing is, it's all the same. Like that is his style. It's unpleasant. (laughs) And, um, I don't want to, there's not a, I don't want to talk a ton about twisted pair. Um, I will say it's, it was entertaining. Um, but I want to be very clear. It doesn't hold a candle to Cade, the torture crossing. Well, before you move, can I, I just want to touch on please twisted pair one. It's not about a pair of boobs. It's about a, or maybe it is. Is I do want to say that cable. Oh my God. Um, so Cade and Kale, 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 um, standout performance, twin AI brothers. Uh, now the AI brothers, I don't know what fantastical things you think they might be doing. Um, Cade, uh, appears in buildings and then as he moves through them, they start to explode. Uh, that seems to be about it. While his brother Kale is in a bad relationship that is being fueled by drug addiction. Kale, Kale's just a drug addict (laughs) with his fake beard. (laughs) Kale fighting his girlfriend is the only thing I liked about that movie. Yeah. And I have to mention that, you know, outsider art, like Clark mentioned earlier, when you watch a lot of films, it feels so nice to just go in and be like, I don't know what's going to happen here. Like the, the Disneyfication of movies or the Spielberg kind of way you tell a story through film is just not there at all. The craft is not invisible and everything, anything and everything can happen. And uh, having said that, I thought that Twisted Pair was boring. And also we had Jasadi there and I felt bad. And I thought he's not going to come to the movie with us now. That's not boring. Him petting the hawk. Oh my God. But it took like (laughs) 10 minutes for it to happen. He would like slide in off the uh, left side of the screen, having already been in position like he was petting something. And then it would kind of link up with the, what, stock footage of a hawk. But it it would basically would be him... Petting uh, the log 
that the hawk was resting. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it would be like him petting the hawk. And, you know, I've been doing a lot of like editing work lately, and there's something so uncinematic about stock footage. Like it, like we do a show about like indie horror or like foreign film, all these kind of like different avenues. They're not like mainstream and they all have like a flair and an aesthetic. Fucking stock footage is like the soulless equivalent of film. Like there's something about it that is so benign and boring. Like it just, and this, this movie is a fucking epic journey through stock and footage. Then, and then you've got Neil Brain. <laughs> it takes that stock footage, and you, when, when I mean that's that's what a true master chef does, Russell. Oh my god! They I take don't know. In, they take ingredients that no one else wants, and they raise it to a new level, and that's what Neil Breen is doing I, I, with the green screen. The green screen. The green screen. <laughs> the green screen. Dude, here's the thing on IMDb, or like we went to Letterbox and looked, and everybody's like, "This is his most cinematic movie." And I thought, oh my God, what are the other ones like? Yeah. And I was worried. And I honestly, I felt like- We're I, only two in. I felt disingenuous too. And we're only two? This I was only six. Oh, wait. Okay. And this was the second one he made? Uh, Twisted Pair? No, no, no. These are the, these are the two most recent movies. He's oh, made. okay. That's what I meant though. I'm like, what about the ones prior? Oh, yes. Like one, they must yeah, have yeah. Been. So I, I was just providing context for our listeners that we've only seen the latest. Well, dude, honestly, I didn't even know that was the latest movie. Yeah. Uh, and I felt a little, I, I had an internal dialogue here and I'm like, am I, is this correct? Should I have like organically found him or like kind of force feeding myself homework food before I go to the movie? It reminded me of the last time I watched Marvel movies. I was trying to cram all the movies in before Endgame and I got to Thor Ragnarok and I, I wrote a suicide letter because I hated that movie so much and I was ready to die. And uh, I saw Endgame and I just did not like it. And I'm like, oh no, this is going to be the end game of outsider art for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I I I think that Cade the the torture crossing saved it for you. Oh, because definitely. I I don't I don't think Twisted Pair was as I mean, comparatively to Cade the Torture Crossing, um, it is inferior. But uh, there's still a lot of good stuff in there, and it's fun. Um, what would you rate it out of twelve stars? Oh God. <laughs> I, I'll have to relook at <laughs> until then. Uh, I don't Six know. Stars. Provide, provide the All the. Uh, we'll have to convert it, but I would say for we'll me, have to convert. <laughs> it's a three star for me. It's a six star. And three movie stars are fun. Three stars are the death nil. Now that's for you. That's, <laughs> three stars are that's that's nice. That's uh, no man's land. That's a nice. Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't hate it enough to remember, and I didn't yeah. like it enough to care. But. Let's get to finally Cade the Torture Crossing. Because, I mean, I, I want to be very clear here. Uh, we saw this at Theater 5 at the Alamo, which um, we've talked about Theater 5 a good bit. It's a, it's a nice size theater, about 100 seats. And uh, I would say at 80% full. Uh, basically, just the front. It, it was us in the front row, but every other seat bet practically behind us was, was full. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you Perfect know, way. 80, 80 people there, easy. Great screening. Great screening. Everyone who was there knew why they were there, and they were there to have a fun time. And uh, I am so glad that we had uh, the precursor that we we did it the right way. Yeah, there's no there's no doubt about it. I'm glad we didn't go in there with this being the first one because I promise you everything else would be an uphill battle. Oh yeah. Um, and because this was the reward. 
Uh, I I could not have enjoyed this more, and I also think that he has hit a new level as far from what I've seen, um, because I think tonally um, he gets it more. There are more jokes here, but I don't. I, I don't let me <laughs> let me joke. I, 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 yes, I do, but I and I want to be clear that it's a joke, but it's a joke from Neil Breen. Okay, and I think that he is. I think he's more self-aware in this movie because this movie is insane. The trailer's making me laugh. I love that. I, I <laughs> wish I wish you would change it because all I, I want to do is I watch know. it. Okay, okay. I think I, what makes this so great is that, like you said with the stock footage in the, in the green screen, basically what's happening here is that he plays an AI superhero that drives a Ferrari, um, and he has been donating money to a uh, mince. I don't... I think it changes between a mental institution and a drug rehab for teens. I think it kind of, I don't know if, if they ever settle on what's it supposed to be, but basically he's trying to take care of these kids that are living in an unlivable hollow of a building that has uh, been completely, uh, I mean, it is. it looks like it has been an abandoned mansion for 50 years that he's been paying. He's like, I never swing by here, but now I'm here. What the hell is this? You are getting my money. And then this <laughs> bimbo doctor that he has, she's great. She looks like she was a porn star in the 80s in Sweden. Yeah. Um, and these kids, they're all 30 years Nicole old. Nicole Butler, I think is. Yeah, she plays doctor. And then, of course, they have a love affair that's uh, wonderful. Um, it's just, it's fantastic of the, the background that we have and the juxtaposition of the, the horrible and gloomy and drab yet beautiful background that we are in mixed in with um, inane dialogue and uh, no purpose whatsoever that we're doing. Um, every, every scene just kind of seems like they're just figuring it out. We never really know where we're going or where we're headed. Time... Um, Oksana had an interesting point at the end. She was like, you know, you asked how long we had been there, right? And I said 90 minutes and you lost your mind. <laughs> <laughs> He's got like eight endings. I didn't see oh, Twisted Pair. Yeah. I saw maybe the first five minutes. And I think that we were definitely at an advantage because I think we all felt that. Because we had we had survived Twisted Pair and we had known the 14 false endings yeah. uh, that we had in that. And so we were kind of prepared uh, with Cade the Torture Crossing. Although, according to um, Neil Breen's website, several people who reviewed it on IMDb gave it standing ovations somewhere. <laughs> according to IMDb, so the trolls under the bridge really well, liked it's it. on his website, but and I'm not sure where he's pulling these quotes from, but 500 people came to a single screening in Chicago. They loved it. Ovations. I can tell you right now. Uh, yeah. Well, he got several applause breaks on Friday night in San Francisco, California. Yeah, but we know the Bay Area. Those people probably left him like, that movie was terrible. One star. I don't know. See, that's the thing. It's like, I feel like people had a good time. And I, I think it's a natural progression to talk about this and, and compare it with Big Shark and what we saw with Tommy and that thing. 
I thought that was a great atmosphere too. Yeah. Um, we were a little weary, uh, about the crowd and I would say that the Neil Breen crowd, uh, I'd probably hang out with those guys for and hang out with the Tommy crowd. Uh, yeah, cause, the Tommy crowd's too hip. Well, cause there were a couple of fucking, uh, douche nozzles that broke in front of us in line. Uh, They're called but, gutter punks. Well, they were militant lesbians, and I didn't feel like <laughs> having an argument with a couple of uh, Samoan militant lesbians. Oh my god! About line breaking. Oh, they would have beat time. the shit out of. I them. know that's why I went ahead <laughs> and let them go go about their day. We did see um, Parallel Dimension Randy there too. That happens a lot. I have a uh, not a not a unique look. Mm, I beg to differ. I think you're just a time traveler, dude. But. Well, Randy looks like that guy's microwaved version of himself. Because <laughs> that guy was like 6'2". Shrink wrap, Randy? Yeah. That guy, um, it, what else do you want to say about Cade the Torture Crossing? I don't know. I don't know how, how, what he does as a release. Um, he may drop this on Amazon. I don't know what he's going to do. Um, I would urge people to watch it. Um, know, know what you're going into. And uh, if you want to see some weird green screen magic... Uh, I mean, this is the best that you can do. Yeah, I, you know, we were talking about green screen as like a cinematic medium and there are movies who do it. Like Manborg is a, you know, it's a pet project that took years for a dude to make and with no money, he kind of made a deeply involved world. Uh, also, what are our buddies? Um, Star-Lord, what the hell was that called? Yeah. Yeah, like we've seen it done. Like, and people can do it. That is not Neil Breen. I this movie made me think of uh, being home alone, navigating the internet. And if you're a fan of like creepy pasta or like kind of like you know just internet horror short stories, the imagery in this movie felt like the backdrop to that. Like if you ever look into Slenderman and there's that picture and it's like you know in a post somebody's like, hey, come up with a scary story about this picture. That's what all of the photography that made up the cinema landscape of Cade, the tortured crossing is made of. It's all these beautiful shots of like almost like fantastically dilapidated hospitals. And they felt like not located together, but they're kind of connected through a weird mise-en-scene of cinema. Like there is this building isn't real. You never know what's down another door, but it did like it's almost like that constructionism that I talked about in the um, behind the Iron Curtain when they were uh, limited on what they could do with films. So they said editing is a language. And if you just put the pieces, you can mix them up. People will, their brain will connect them and start to create a blueprint. That's what happens here. We are in a fucking strange world where a white tiger turns into a girl, oh, a very voluptuous girl who offers little narrative impact but yet walks away the hero of the film there's so much weird shit going on here that doesn't feel forced hashtag tiger titties dude i try to get that going after and here's the thing i came in and i was like oh are we gonna fucking hate this movie i i genuinely i loved it and i think clark's right the bar was on the floor but we knew what his prior film looked like and also if you within five minutes you turned to me and said oh this is this way, way better, better. And, Within um, five minutes. You know you know what a major part of that was? A lot more people acting. And normally... A lot. Normally, whenever we look at Nigel Bach or like Tommy Wiseau, there's a weird thing happening where 
Nigel Bach, he should just be alone. One or two people. The other other people try to emulate his style and they don't get it because Nigel's a weirdo. Yeah. Tommy is a cultural icon who I'm always worried there's going to be some like grifter showing up like, oh, I'm going to be a goof in a, in a room ripoff, which Big Shark did not have. And I think it's probably because Tommy is a real oppressive tyrant on set. So if you're there to have fun, you quickly realize, oh, fuck, I signed the contract. But see, I think... I think it's interesting and to, to kind of add to all those points, it's like, you know, these guys are doing what they do, right? Yeah. And we've seen the most recent release from Tommy Wiseau. We've seen the most recent release from Neil Brain. Not Nigel Buck. <laughs> I'm yeah, behind like five. Yeah, for Nigel. Um, and these guys, they're getting better. It's, but I don't mean, I don't mean, I don't mean better. <laughs> I don't mean better in terms of a 24. Uh, I, I don't mean better in terms of, um, traditional, tra- cinema. Yes, traditional cinema and what we think of like, Oh, they're actually learning that you can make a movie outside of green screen. No, 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 no. He's doing what he's going to do. And, yeah. and, and Tommy is continuing to be Tommy, but that voice is getting stronger and we're getting more of what they do. And we're getting, uh, it's just their voice is getting more defined and it's getting, uh, the scale's getting bigger. I had so much fun with, yeah. with, with Big Shark and I had so much fun with Cade to Torture Crossing. Yeah, it's really good. Honestly, I mean, those two may be my two favorite, you know, theater experiences of the year. Um, and, uh, and again, to be fair, it's like still one of the reasons that's like, uh, you know, we're still around um, in, 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 you know, San Francisco to have the ability to experience these things at the best way you can experience mm-hmm. them. And so I, I, you know, that's not something I take for granted. So um, sure. Watch this at your own uh, will. And, you know, you can have a great time. You know, it, th- these are, these are fun group movies. You know what I mean? Um and to have the opportunity to watch it in the theater uh, certainly is the best execution to take in this film. Yeah, and I'm self-aware enough to know, and I'll, I'll let you all know too, Theater 5 at um, the San Francisco Alamo is the only other theater there that can support a film screening. So it's got all the like heavy hit capability of Theater 1, but it, it seats like less than half of the people. So you usually get the movies that are valuable, but not going to sell out. And that's why it's like my fucking Q zone. And it's a beautiful ceiling. Cause you know, all the fucking hacks downstairs are watching Barbie. And we're up there watching fucking Kate. And it's like, it's not even sold out. And you know, you're in this weird little pocket of time and you're like, all oh, these motherfuckers missed out on it. Now, I love that shit. To be, uh, we, and again, we may have a few listeners who are um, big Neil Brainiacs. Wow, so if you're a Brainiac, Christian's a Brainiac. Um, oh, he is? I will say that yeah. uh, K- Kale does make an appearance yeah. um, in Cade the Torture Crossing, and he is uh, still as wet as ever. Nah, he's full like Linkin Park in this movie. He is, uh, well, yeah, because he's got his hoodie <laughs> on the whole time. The, my favorite thing about uh, with what he did with the Kale character is that, Randy, the entire movie, he's just looking for pills, and he's <laughs> reading pill bottles, and he's like, nope, don't want that one. <laughs> yep. he's, it, that's it. And he's also going, He's sick. He's a sick AI. We don't know why. And he's taking pills to make him better. And then he's uh, he's hunched over on staircases. And uh, it's a great time. 
Um, before stars. we move on, uh, I got four things to mention. 12 one, stars. One, <laughs> awesome. Uh, Manborg. Uh, you know, I brought that up as a green screen movie. I should also mention, just in case you don't know what it is, that's um, Stephen Kostansky. Yep. He later came on the show with Psycho Gorman. So look at where his career brought him from the green screen. I don't think the green screen will be bringing us any Sentai fantasy movies that uh, shake the world to shudder. Um, and I do want to mention about this film on Letterboxd. I had teased that this movie reminded me of a uh, chat, a visual chat I used to frequent when I had dial up uh, internet called the palace.com. If any of you know what that is, I, um, I'm sure you instantly understand. And I just want to explain this a little bit because the, the blueprint, the mise-en-scene of Cade is just so unique. And it does really feel like scrolling through uh, Google's image page that it, it, it was a chat platform in the 90s that you would pick an avatar. Usually they were like an emoji face that was a little bit 3D or a South Park character. And you would go to the town of South Park. Now, the thing is that, you know, from the TV show, but these people only had the images from the show. So if you were in like Cartman's room, there would be a little, um, there would be like a masked area on the door. And if you clicked it, you would go out into the hallway, which was another image stolen from the show. This is what that movie felt like. You're navigating through a 2D world yeah. of a horrific hospital where people don't seem to understand what it looks like. Because they probably didn't because they were on a green screen. 100%. And again, nothing syncs up when people are walking upstairs and stuff. And that's all fine. The thing that I really want to mention, which I think everybody loved, was the keyboard man. Keyboard man. You got to watch a movie for a keyboard man. man and that's the joke I was talking about. It's like that that follows a joke structure. It, it does. But who knew? 100%. You really, because a lot of the time you get moments in these fractured narratives and they never pay off. Um, my favorite payoff moment was the doctor who, uh, one of the awesome. patients, again, the patients, they kind of doubled as like help there yeah. too. So one guy, he kept failing to operate on the other patients and this dude kept offering help and he kept yelling at him in the form of what the fuck is wrong with you? Get out of here. Yeah. That also paid off. Um, yeah, I, fantastic film. Also, um, did you order food then? I, I don't think we talked about it. Was it any good? What, the Alamo? Yeah, the Alamo. That's fine. They changed their pickle fry recipe and uh, they will be receiving a letter from me. Yeah, you and Jasadi, um, we all got popcorn. We all ordered a meal. We, we had a lot. We had buffet. Yet, there was a moment in the movie where I looked over. Jasadi uh, had tapped out. Uh, Clark, you, you tapped out. And me and Oksana were licking the plates of the shit in front. Of, and I'm just like... God damn it, I gotta fix my Well, we were we were gifted popcorn. Yeah. And that takes a lot of space on that table. Yeah, but y'all stopped eating the popcorn. Me and Oksana. It's a lot of popcorn. We ate our meals and then returned to the popcorn. That's a y'all thing. I know. It's a I think it's a disease. (laughs) Uh before we move on, I I do want to close the book here is that you were talking about green screen movies. uh, Green screen. And you had mentioned um, Galaxy Lords is what Galaxy Lords, yeah, thank you. Uh, with our buddies Von Bilka and Dan Underhill, they have a new film out too, right? Yes. Yeah. What the fuck? We gotta we gotta hit them up again. Another. God, we talked to them what nineteen years ago. Yeah, and again through another hole in the head, but of no, uh, there was no middleman played by anybody over there. I'm talking to you, another hole in the head. What the fuck? And and they gave me a shirt. I have a cool uh, like Galaxy like- Lords shirt. 
All right. K, the torture crossing. How many stars? Uh, 12. Attaboy. Oh, you know what? Let me pull up. All right. So when, uh, Randy, when are we going to get your review? I mean, I feel like you should watch this with Christian. Yeah. Did did Christian see it at the plaza? No, I think he was on tour. But yeah, it played here like a week or two ago for one night only. Oh, you missed it. We got the same thing. One night, two screens. No, no. It's it's, it's playing on weekend. But like late night. Okay. So I'm consulting the new graph, uh, 1 through 12. Uh, If we go into the 10 through 12 area... We're going good, excellent, or great. Now, I think excellent is a stronger word than great, but that's only an 11. Oh, I'll, I'll even go beyond uh, good, great, excellent. I would say that Cade the Tortured Crossing, a Neil Breen film. Don't get, don't do it. Beyond reproach. Oh, my God. There's nothing you nothing negative you can say about it. I think Cade. you just said it's a 13 star it's movie. It's a 13 star <laughs> The unholy rating, dude. It's unlucky. You shouldn't it's do great. that. It's great. All right. Randy, give it a great. Randy, watch this with a couple bros, couple brewskis. You'll have a great time. Randy will hate it. I don't know. It's fun. Probably. I think, Randy, trailer. you should probably... Don't watch the fucking trailer. You know, I, I said watch the trailer. It's four minutes. I hate... You know, okay, here's <laughs> the thing. the trailer. When... Goddamn, you got <laughs> patient one over there. Well, when you got Echoes of Vertigo on your shelf, you know, you need it. I don't have um, it. You have it. I do... <laughs> I, dude, Randy, I have a stack of Randy movies down there. I'm Hell just, yeah. I'm, I'm scared of the the Randy retread. I'm like, is it worth it? I think it's been like yeah. four years now. I, I could do it now, right? Sure. Bro, you still haven't seen it? No. Have you? Yeah. You watched Echoes of Vertigo. I watched it. Did he? Did he? Randy? 100%. Yeah. I watched Transit. Oh, now it's a double retread. Yeah, bro. All right. I think it's been long enough. Yeah, get one. All right. Yeah, but Randy, if you... <laughs> If you watch it, you really got to come in there as like an intellectual or something. Just imagine you're like, you're um, looking at culture through the lens of the other and then burn the theater down. Get brain, son. Yeah. (laughs) Time for Cabrini Breen. Breen. Let's make a shirt of that. Remember when they used to have all those mashup shirts? What happened to that? Like corn, Harmony Kareem. You know, uh, seasons change. Didn't I have a shirt like that? Did any of us ever have one? The band? No, we talked about it forever. Oh, we made good ones though. Yeah, well, well I'm, I'm I'm a little bit better at it now. I could I could do that up. Oh, the Twisted Sister. Remember that? I, I do. couldn't do that one. All right, Twisted Pair uh, Sister. Oh my god! I know. Damn, that could work. Oh, speaking of, no, we're not going to go into that movie first. What the hell am I talking about? I feel like we've been recording for ten hours. Uh, we were recording for about an hour and fifty minutes. Okay, then we're on time. <laughs> Uh, let me find my notes because we got a couple of screeners we actually got to. Oh, uh, we need our screener segment. What the fuck is that? I don't know. Choose a bumper music. All right. Here, let me turn that on. It's time for screeners. Our Neil Breener screener. <laughs> That's a really good stinger. Shout out to uh, Ghost Adventures. Oh, boy. Um. All right. First up, we'll talk about a movie that I feel like we watched two months ago. We watched it uh, about a, mm, three weeks. So I had the interview. Uh, let's see. I'm going to read from the press release we got. Um, Saban Films will release Good Boy in theaters and on demand in digital September 8th. Whoa, really? I think it's Saban. Saban. Eighth. Okay. Hey, good timing. So in four days, you can watch it. Maybe. 
Written and directed by Viljar Bo. I, I know I said that name wrong. The film stars Guard Loki. <laughs> I, okay, I'm abandoning this. <laughs> I'm getting away from this. Uh, let's just go to IMDb. <laughs> don't die. Please don't die. Although it might be good for the show. Um, you know what? Normally I do read from IMDb. I read two words into this and I'm already, I don't like it. Good boy. Uh, we ended up pulling the trigger on this one because it looks like, are you okay? I was sneezing. You were laughing, then coughing, then sneezing. I choked on water. Okay. I'm because <laughs> you're a massacre with these Swedish names. My massacre, I know. I even have their blood running through me. Um, no, dude, you're 100% Irish. <laughs> don't bring that up. Um, good boy. Now, we get a lot of screeners, a lot. And I know back in the day when I started the blog and I had big wide eyes, I'm like, if anybody sends me a movie and they want my opinion, I'm going to give it to them and I'm really going to be diligent about it. And then, you know, four years into it when it starts happening, you're just kind of like bitter by that point. But you do it anyway. Then six years later... <laughs> You become jaded. And what it really takes for you to get to watch a movie is the premise of, hey, here's a guy living with a guy, but that guy's dressed like a dog all the time. And he's walking around on all fours. And the <clears> other <throat> guy treats him like a dog. And we're like, where's it from? Not America? Perfect. Let's watch it. Yep. And uh, that's what you, pretty much what you need to know. Uh, our main character, he, he seems kind of like an introverted pretty boy. Uh, Randy could relate. And a uh, a Nathan Avaldi type. He lives in a um, mansion that feels a little bit like a tomb. It doesn't feel very full of life. He is there with his buddy. I can relate. <laughs> True, his buddy. Who uh, now, Randy? If you can relate to this, we got to talk. I would not call that house a mansion. <laughs> well, it's very big, and it implied uh, it's fine. Maybe that he had inherited it. There, he doesn't have parents around yet. He's young. And he's there with another person who's dressed like a dog at all times. Now, the little bit we get to see in his life in the beginning of the movie, uh, he doesn't talk to the other human as a human. And they have a pretty standard um, human-dog relationship. And uh, through a dating app, our protagonist goes out and meets a girl who is the complete opposite of him. Uh, she seems a little bit wild. She's attending college. And she's broke. And uh, you know what? They hit it off, though. And they go back to his place and she's like, holy shit, you live here? And they're hanging out and, uh, you know, bada bing, bada boom. And then the dog comes in and she's like, what the fuck is this? And uh, she leaves, which is, you know, when you're watching a horror movie, this is usually what you might be yelling at your screen. Like, just leave. What the fuck are you doing? You're, he's going to kill you. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to leave. And, and she's kind of rude about it. And he doesn't fight her. He's like, okay, uh, this usually happens. So he takes her home and leaves. And when uh, the young lady's at her apartment with her roommate, uh, she kind of talks about it. And she's like, yeah, something weird happened. And uh, her roommate looks up the dude and goes, wait, you're out with him? He's like a famous rich guy. No, you weren't out with him. And yeah. she's like, wait, what are you talking about? And without <clears throat> disclosing the weirdness, she starts getting, she has an outsider kind of telling her like, you, what the fuck? You were dating a Kardashian almost. Yeah. And she's like, oh, maybe I should reconsider. And uh, that's where the movie jumps off. Because have- bitches be tripping. <laughs> she be a gold digger, we call them. And, uh, I ain't saying. <laughs> she's <laughs> a gold digger. So um, 
that's where a movie goes. And I'll tell you, I was very in. It felt like an indie A24 esque film. And I, I know I say that all the time. It, it's just, it's a genre. And it had the color palette. They were doing that teal and orange thing. Uh, it had the pacing. It felt like a genre film that was being explored intelligently and thoughtfully. And then we get to the third act. And man, I, I was telling Clark, this is like the traditional haunted house movie for me. Like ghosts, there's always this, it's so fun on the ride up on the ghost roller coaster. And when you go down, you're like, oh, that's it. Roller and coaster. <laughs> roller coaster. Very yeah, love good. it, dude. Good job, Randy. Um, so when you're, when you're going up on the roller coaster, you're like, this is going to be great. And you get to the top and you're at the peak and you're like, all right. And then you go down and you're like, that was kind of quick and I expected more. And this movie, this movie didn't really have that problem because it took a direction that I could have never guessed, but I would have never recommended. Roller Ghoster should be a Lee Hardcastle. Roller Ghoster <laughs> of love. Very nice. Um, so I'm in a weird position here. I would missionary. <laughs> that's not nothing weird about missionary. Oh, brother. I um. Is if you're an atheist. Now Clark might disagree with me here. And uh, I think y'all know what kind of rating I would give it. But I think people should check it out. Yeah. Even though I don't think you'll really like it. Uh, I believe the movie should be out by the time this episode airs. Or are we close? Is that right, Oxana, or no? Correct. The okay. Day, uh, the Friday. Oh, okay. very nice. So at the end of the week. I mean, I'm talking to the people who listen to this show. It's in our wheelhouse. It just doesn't execute all the way. You know, that's the thing. It's like... um. You know, sometimes the destination is is not the purpose, and <laughs> as, as long as as long as the journey was fun, there's something you can take out of it. This is somewhere in the middle. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like I could feel it. Not, I guess, run out of steam would be a one way to say it because. You're just like, how are they going to button all this together? Yeah. You know what I mean? Where we've just got, we've got all these, we've got all these strings hanging loose and we got to figure how we're going to get them all together. And we do. Yeah. But yeah. And that's, and that's what I'll, I'll say there. Um, definitely check it out. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's interesting. And um, I also think that because it is, Is this Swedish? Is that right? I think it, yeah. Um, it's Scandinavian. Yeah, can you scroll down? Uh, it'll typically tell us where we're at. Uh, I just can't remember. It's been Norway. Norway. That's oh, right. those are my people. I take Thank it back. So it's much. fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, a nice, also, short nice runtime. One hour and 16 minutes, Randall. Hell yeah. You're in, you're out. I think this is one of those movies, though, where, you know, we love a short runtime. I'm like, I think it could have benefited from a little bit more. Oh. I yeah. think we both agree there because yeah. uh, it was missing a little bit of um, je ne sais quoi. It, it just felt hollow in points to where it was like, you know, it, it could use a little bit more fleshing out um, to, to make a bigger impact or also maybe provide a little bit more intrigue of how we're going to end this thing because it just kind of felt a little flat and empty uh, by the time we got to the end. Well, the very end is like, what? Yeah, I know. 
It honestly felt kind of like when um, you dig around on Amazon Prime for a horror movie. Yeah. And you find like a cool indie thing. And then by the end, it fizzles out. And you're like, oh, they didn't realize they had a cool idea and they could have done. Yeah, yeah. A little more. But again, you know, who knows? Um, that That's, you know, the, the interesting thing about, you know, these smaller movies and um, especially with the international market of of how things, how business is done very differently than here in, you know, yeah. the, the North American market. Um, and, uh, you know, if what kind of, um, you know, issues they run into, into production where they have to change some things up. And I, I, I certainly don't know if any of that had, uh, I don't, you know, I don't think it was production at all. I think it was literally writing. It, it, it has, certainly yeah. came across that way, but again, you know, budgetary things one way or another, who knows? Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I, I don't know. I think less was more. Do you did 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 they was this funded through uh, Norway at all, or probably not? Since it I was a, sort of a weird genre. Movie. It didn't feel like it had a ton of money, which yeah. I think honestly was part of the charm. But I, I think that they were able to uh, circumnavigate that. I kind of like the original title too. Me, you, and Frank. Yeah, yeah. Which Frank I, is the name of the note. When we watched it. I, when we got the PR originally, that was the title, Me, You, and Frank. Honestly, I think it's just... Um, also, I don't like the new poster either. I think the ending was safe. It So again, what I mean by the uh, roller coaster is that in a ghost film, at a certain point, we have to understand why the ghost is haunting blank or what's going on. And we have to define rules and understand the choices. And sometimes those choices are really like just kind of flat. When the movie had inspired its audience to imagine much grander things. And I think it was kind of the case here. Oh, last thing on Roller Ghoster. Have you seen the latest uh, Mr. Beast video? Uh, may... No, I haven't. He bought a roller coaster and exploded it. <laughs> Dude, he's jumped the shark. He's just blowing shit up now. Oh, that was the, the entire... Wait, were people on it? The last video was all about blowing shit up. That it would was, be the... Did you watch fun. the pit? I haven't watched the pit yet. Dude, the pit feels otherworldly. Like yeah. it, there's existential dread in just how they built that pit. Nice. It's a big pit, man. Well, thanks, okay, Joe. Rogan thanks, Joe. It's a big pit, man. <laughs> That's a big, that was That's a fucking good. That pit, was man. Dylan doing Rogan, dude. <laughs> All right. So again, that was the weirdest recommendation, and I know it felt like we were backsliding, but the problem is that we were watching this movie having a great time, and then having it ended, and we were both time. like, "Oh, damn, dude." Um, yeah, right, we got so, one more. Good boy, good boy, down boy, good boy. Don't pee on the carpet. Um, yeah, let me close this out again. Uh, no better way to spend a three day weekend than with y'all talking about movies, kind of uh, backhandedly recommending them. And now we're moving on to PR number two. This one comes from uh, Pageman Productions. I've never heard of them before, but I will be paying attention Page to the future. Man. Um, the email title is here for blood. A pro wrestler is pitted against a sinister cult in his bloody, in this bloody home invasion action horror poster and trailer available. And we're like poster and trailer. Uh, let me tell you, poster is a banger. Yep. Um, now let's read from IMDB. I'm, I'm not worried. This is a movie. Let me tell you, we're very genre forward here. And, uh, unlike the last movie, I feel like this production was incredibly rough, but I couldn't have loved it more. Yeah. I think no element of this movie was executed like perfectly. Nothing was completely polished. 
Yeah, I loved all of it for the blemishes. And dude, when this movie pulls some shit off, like special effects, you like want to cheer. You're like, oh, dude. Well, again, I, I think that the big thing there is uh, charm goes a long way. Oh, yeah. This movie's got charm. Um, I Two th- hours long? Well, no, it's, it That's wasn't. incorrect. It's an hour 40. Okay. Uh, I noticed that yesterday when uh, we were doing that. I was like, that was a breezy the, fucking two hours. It's not two hours. I think it's right at an hour, like 38, hour 40. Um, this movie's got charm. Um, everyone in the cast is oh my great. God. Um, you look, know, look, look, look at the fucking um, synopsis on IMDb. Do you want me to read it? Yeah, go for it. When his girlfriend Phoebe is swamped with college exams, Tom O'Bannon, a rowdy pro wrestler struggling to make ends meet, agrees to fill in as a last minute replacement for her well paying babysitting job. Tom arrives at an isolated family home where he meets the precocious 10 year old Grace. What starts off as a quiet night of pizza and video games quickly spirals into bloody, violent chaos as Tom and Grace find themselves fighting for their lives when an otherworldly cult of Basque intruders descend on the home. Man. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> Unfortunately, so the way that... <laughs> Uh, the way that I um, was introduced to the film was Oksana said, hey, there's a home invasion film with a pro wrestler. And I was like, why would they, why would home invaders? Ca-? I'm like, that's interesting. She's like, oh, he's babysitting. And I'm like, oh, interesting. So they're doing like uh, Mr. Nanny, yeah. but like in your next. Or kindergarten cop. Yeah. And uh, Not you know what? It's better than both of them. I think. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, this is not better than Kindergarten Dude, I'm going to tell you right now, this is a 12 star for me. I really like this movie. (laughs) All right, that seems a little hot. It is. It's probably like an 11 and a half. Oh, wait, can we do halves on the 12 star rating? Oh, we'll have to look it up. Oh, my God. Sam, Sam, please address this inquiry. (laughs) I think that that bumps it up to like 24 numbers now, right? We need a whole new graph. Well, all right. Um. Now, pro wrestler, oh man, how many times have we been burned by like CM Punk in a movie? Not that I ever watched that movie. I think just once. <laughs> well, I did. I do own the short film that was the last one that uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper was ever a part of, where he played a janitor in a Lovecraftian horror short. And I don't remember loving it. I love Piper, man. I met that guy a couple yeah. of times. So fucking cool. And no. I definitely bought the Vinegar Syndrome Hell Comes to Frogtown. What a fucking beautiful release for the most lowbrow, low budget genre film. When you met him, was he? Uh, did he have bubble gum or was he all out? <laughs> I didn't ask. Um, this movie, I don't know what to tell you. We are in a it's a genre buffet here, and we really do mash up a lot of uh, subgenres. We do we're doing home invasion. We have a cult, and then we have the much overlooked pro wrestling. Uh, I don't even know if that is a subgenre, but it is. It's important to note that when you have a um, a, a gentleman who looks like he's roided out of his gul- his gills, that your protagonist now has some agency in a horror movie. This is this is my problem. <laughs> when I used to fantasize about making a fantasy movie all the time, there's a problem because I would want to make it a horror movie. But if you have a cast of people who have uh, agency against the horror then starts to shift into action because you have to weigh like power balance and shit. Although there are some that did it full. She did with conquest. One of my favorite movies ever. That's a horror I fantasy movie. Yeah. A lot of fog, a lot, a lot of, of fog juice. A lot of that, dude. Fucking bone chucks. Like, 
A lot of titties, too. Yeah. Yeah, but they're covered in fog. Free the nip. And hair. And, <laughs> and snakes, too. Not too, many, too many snakes. Um, Too many snakes. So in this movie, our protest... Now, here's the thing I got to talk about. Our fucking... Um, now, keep in mind, this movie is not out. I know. Sean Roberts is... Uh, he's big. So He is... He is... Scary big. He he has crossed. He's crossed the threshold of like he probably couldn't scratch his back anymore. I wonder if he has to get a hose to do the William Montgomery. And I haven't butt. seen uh, traps that big in quite some time. Yeah, he good proportions. Yeah, but he's a little too big. He's I think, very big, which is perfect for this. But for wrestling, see, like he's almost he's almost Bobby Lashley level big. Yeah. Oh, Bobby, Bobby's actually a little bit smaller, I think, proportionally. You think? Yeah. Bobby's big guy. No, this guy looks like it's hard to navigate. Also, one thing I got to mention, like the rough edges around uh, parts of the craft. One is the script. When a dude looks like him, when a dude looks like Tom O'Bannon, how do you not bring that up? And it's like, oh, my babysitter canceled and now this dude's here. How's not the first thing you say like, oh, dude, he's wearing a fucking mighty gym shirt. Yeah. And he looks like fucking ripped. He is enormous. How do you not address that immediately? And also address that he looks like a 40-year-old man and he is dating a 21-year-old college girl. Well, I- it looks like a daddy-daughter relationship. <laughs> well, you know, I think uh, whatever stack he's abusing is probably, you know, aging him a little prematurely. So it comes with the territory. Also, as a dude, I spent a lot of my life trying to, uh, without chemical enhancement, end up looking like this dude. But see that 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 that's the interesting thing to me. Why didn't you go the chemical enhancement? Oh, I don't like needles, man. Bro. Again, I've talked about it on We're here. in Balco country, <laughs> baby. I did cycle D-balls one time when a uh ex-marine gave me some and uh I'll tell I love telling this story, so I'll do it again. I benched more than I ever had in my life and the recovery was incredibly quick. On the ride home, I went, we could turn around, I could go back right now. Oh, Which if you ever been to the gym, that's insane. But when I started doing a little research, I'm like, what can I get in the Bay Area? We're back in sports talk because all anybody had was clear because of Barry Bonds. Yeah. There was the hot commodity out here. Balco. And I was not going to be putting a needle in my butt. Although, I don't know. Maybe I should have done it. There's still time. (laughs) It'd be a good story to tell. There's still time. Anyway, one thing I learned while when I used to go to the gym all the time and we would read um, muscle and fitness and men's health. Men's health used to love doing these uh, polls with women and they'd be like, what type of men are you most attracted to? And they would, it would range from like Arnold physique to like um, scrawny to like regular doughy to like dude who uh, he does strength training or maybe he's a bike rider. Yeah. And it would always be that like, oh, skinny but toned. Yeah. And you just learn to be like, well, fuck women. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing it for you anyway. And then you hop on 4chan. <laughs> dude, I remember when I was getting my Geodude tattoo. I, <laughs> all right, I know. We're, again, the Pokemon that's constantly flexing. There's a theme here. Um, I was telling the tattoo artist, who was a dominatrix and a female. I said, yeah, I kind of want to get a barbarian. And she, she stopped what she was doing. And she looked me in the eye. And she said, do you want to get a ripped dude in a loincloth? tattooed on you and i looked at her i'm like you know it wasn't weird until you put it that way and she's like that's because you're not thinking about it and i was like i still kind of want to though (laughs) (laughs) i'm like conan is what i've looked up to anyway his girlfriend was 
she was all over this dude. Like, I love beefy guys. Yeah. And I'm sure they're out there. It was not her. Yeah. It was not a struggling college girl. Yeah. And I, I just, I had to point that out because parts of this just read as you can tell when a dude has written a script. And I'm like, that's a dude who wrote this, this shit. Yeah. But on top of that, this guy, our lead was not a fucking rowdy, Roddy Piper. He was not a, uh, gentle giant, which is how you want to write like the rock or something. Yeah. Otherwise you end up in comedy territory and you gotta be making fart jokes and like, Oh, don't worry. I'm not a villain. This guy, he was kind of a dick. He was yeah. like attitude era fucking stone cold. Like he's drinking beer around this girl. He's like swearing around her. But yet he is, he's good with the girl. Yeah. The 10 year old. Yep. And is protective. And also was like, you never thought he was a fish out of water in this. I mean, he, he did, he did not want to do the babysitting job, <laughs> but once he was there, it was great. And cause he was he's very, good. He was very concerned with looking like a pervert. The cast is, is one of the strong oh, dude, so suits good. of this movie. Um, and I, also I would say that, um, very good, uh, effects here. Oh, the yeah. practical effects, uh, they surprised both of us mm -hmm. and then it kept building. Um, and in fact, um, yeah, I don't, do we, I don't know. Uh, we shouldn't. Yeah, no, we shouldn't. Um, you know, I would like to try and book somebody if we can talk to anybody from here and then we could do that. But yeah, it was good. Yeah. That's the other thing. We it's did like, talk about the headhunter a lot. Yeah. Yeah. We'll leave it there. But there's a, yeah, this movie's fun. It's, it's a lot of fun. And, and because of the special effects and, and sort of, um, the tonal shift that we have here, I wouldn't say it's, it, we're building, yeah. right? No, yeah, it, it, it's, yeah. it's a build and, and, and there is sort of a, a temperature change with the tone going a little bit more, um, on the, uh, you know, fantastical side, um, and a new character is introduced. Yeah. And, um, that, that naturally kind of put us in the conversation of, of comparing this, uh, to the aforementioned, you know, Stephen Kostansky. So, you know, not, not dissimilar to uh, Psycho Gorman on some levels. No. Uh, totally a little different. And, and Psycho Gorman obviously is, is a lot more punchier um, in, in its writing here. And then that's not necessarily what they were going for. It's a lot more polished. With this. Yeah. Yeah. But what we do have here is that we have, there is charisma. There's charisma. A lot of it. And charm. And it goes a long way. And boy, is it a fun watch. Um, yeah. Definitely so check it out. Jordan Downey meets Kostansky for sure. Th yeah. Those two, like, yeah. When, uh, when does this one come out? You got that, Oksana? Is this October, uh, Oksana? It just had a premiere at, um, Fright Fest, I believe. Yeah, in the UK. So I'm not oh, sure. Oh, hello. This movie's so genre forward, too. It's I, all right, isn't I it? kept thinking, where is it going to fall in, like, the film fest, like, circuit? Because I feel like it's a little bit too rough for, like, Fantastic Fest. Like, I don't think the Alamo crowd would get here. Oh, but it, I, Fantasia, baby. Fantasia for sure. And I think it definitely bats above average for like any kind of like trauma, any kind of that stuff. I think those people would love it, but it's like way out of what the What about league. a special consideration from the Unnamed Footage Festival? Dude, hey, uh, y'all submit to fucking another hole in the head. That would be cool. Oh. That it would be a it would be perfect for another hole in the head. Hundred percent. Also, before we're done, I know we're we're winding down here, or we're ratcheting up the ghost coaster, the ghoster, and we all know Mr. Beast is going to blow it up when we get to the top. Try. So, last thing, and it will make sense to all of you when you watch it. I just want to give a special shout out. 
to our boy who plays Bernie, uh, Jesse Buck, (laughs) who is a, um, he's the type of character. Click his profile, please. He's the type of character who is playing a, um, what what would the technical term be in in pro wrestling? He's like a jobber. He's there to take punches and and let other people elevate. And he. Kind of like, well, like a manager. Kind of, but he's in-ring talent. Like he's just getting beat up yeah. all the time. And there are some people who really just, they embody it and they, they go above and beyond with them taking a punch to the face. And this dude, you think he's dead multiple times in the movie, but he keeps coming back to take more punishment. And every goddamn time I was just rooting for him. He's so good. Jesse Buck. Um, what else is he? Oh, he's been in a lot. Oh, he was in Nightmare Alley. He was a geek. He's in The Boys. He, he was Greasy he was dude. the geek in Nightmare Alley. Oh shit! That is awesome. Which makes sense. Um, this guy has a a penchant uh, for physical comedy. Yeah, it's so and uh, boy, does he not hold back? And it's just fun. It's just fun to watch him work. He was in Reacher, and he played the Dixie Inn clerk. Hell yeah. Yeah, dude. Uh, I'm I'm glad you gave him a special shout out because he, he was needed it. He was fun. He was so fucking good, and he kind of um, represents a moment in the movie where they show a little bit of special effects, like muscle. They flex it a little bit, and you. I didn't see it coming. I thought this movie was going to kind of lean into the pro wrestling aspect, and we would have some like not uh, at all Kia or like uh, yeah. Was it a Kia? No, it's not a Kia. What the fuck is IKEA? Kia Sorento. Oh my god. Some like Ikea furniture that we get people thrown through yeah. and we move on. Yeah. Also, a lot of stunts in this movie, too. I don't, I don't know. I really liked it. Some decent wrestling moves. Again, if you're a genre forward fan of the show, I you not have a, to watch it. Not a single suplex, though. If you're a... Yeah, there wasn't one. And I was really... I wanted... I wanted You called for a power bomb at one point. Yeah. And I kept thinking, those are kind of outlawed. I don't know if they would do it. But I in the back of my head, I'm like, do a fucking power bomb. He's killing people. And I'll let you know right now, one of the cult members looks just like fucking late era WCW Sting. uh, Oh, yeah. All of the Crow, except he's like more ripped than him. By the way. Love it. Can we agree? Crow Sting is the best Sting. Yeah. Born again Christian calling everybody's wife, telling them that they're cheating on him. Can I tell you, I still have chills from seeing him coming down the ceiling with the the baseball bat. Oh, yeah. I mostly think of the heart (laughs) when he came down. That was tight. He died. Yeah, no, fuck Bret Hart. It wasn't Bret Hart. <laughs> also, that was a mean joke. Cut it, Randy. Thank you. All right. Uh, we did it. Our 19-hour episode is over. Uh, 210. Actually, uh, you know what? Let's go another hour and make it 310. You know? Okay. Uh, we could split it up into two and then put one yeah. up on Thursday. Randy told us he ain't doing shit today, baby. I know, yeah. I mean, it's 6 p.m. now, so I got to like eat some food and then uh, you know get some oh, steps in and put the podcast up. Randy, what's what's for Din Din over there in the in the ATO? Pellets, dude. He has it's gonna be boring. Food. Yeah, it's gonna be like a salad, probably. Oh my! Are you gonna graze the lawn, or you got one in a bowl? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, I, I have a, a a packet, like a mixture, where it's got like the three things. You know, you just dump it into a bowl. I've been eating boring still because I'm still having acid reflux. Not oh, as bad, dude. but it's still there. Ship him some Pepto. Well, I, got, I got plenty of Pepto, and I've been uh, drinking my coffee not black anymore. I've put in, oh. put in cream in it, which is a bummer. 
Man, I love to hear that. I'm sorry, Randy, but y'all with your black coffee, I'm like, how do you fucking do it? It makes my stomach growl at me. Every day, my breakfast is black coffee. Yeah, but you with no food. you do it like a limperist and a French press. It's eh. not not at work. I take it out of the machine. I press a button. Oh shit. Do you have a Keurig? No. You got silverfish it's coming a, out. It's of there? a weird machine. I don't like the Keurigs. No, I don't. That's either. why I don't that's why I don't have one here. I go analog with my coffee. Uh, I did see a xenomorph come out of a Keurig one time, and oh, it yeah. haunts me. Yeah, those little silverfish—I don't know I don't what know. the fuck they do, but I don't silverfish, like silverfish. <laughs> silverfish. Uh, Randy. Yep, I'm here. I- anything else? No, you know, just going to uh, plug my other show again, the Vinyl Floor. We uh, we talk about records and uh, other things. We just did our loosest episode that barely follows the format this past week because uh, Christian got back from tour and uh, we didn't have a lot on the agenda, but uh, yeah, it was a a fun episode, but that won't be out for another three weeks (laughs) because we're still behind (laughs) or ahead. However you want to look at it. It only, it took you what? 10 episodes to fall off the rails. Uh, Something like that. Yeah. Start doing rails. All right. Well, uh, Randy, we wish you a lot of luck over there on your other show. Hell Russell, yeah. talk about your other show. What's going on with horror, the my other show? I, uh, oh, Horror Boner? I don't know. We just got to record it. Uh, we were going to do one last week, and um, I think we're going to jump into all of the exclusive releases through Horror Pack. They So do you know Horror Pack? No. Horror Pack is a subscription service. Well, the, you can either pick the DVD option or the Blu-ray option, and for $20, I think it's 25 now, they send you four movies blind, but they're they're Everybody gets the same four movies. And one of the four is an exclusive release through them. So sometimes you'll find a movie that people liked, but never got a Blu-ray release that will come out. And sometimes you get shit that they produced and they produced a movie called 74 minutes. That was like a car horror movie that was signed by the director and was numbered. And it's like, what is this crap? Tight. And they're the type of movies that don't get reviewed on Letterboxd. Yeah. Because, of course, like who who, in, who has a Letterboxd account and a Horror Pack subscription? So we were you talking. Know. Yeah, exactly. And we were talking about covering those and um, he got strep throat. So we banned him from the oh. house. How's he doing? Is he okay? I think he was buried yesterday. I think he's back to work already. So whatever. Stay hydrated, Terrell. Yeah. And on other news, I'm playing Boulder's Gate. If you were wondering, I made a dark elf cleric. She worships the war god. She's a Loth devout. And I used the default vulva. I also made a uh, halfling who is a rogue. Um, He's the social breed, and he has an uncircumcised penis. Hey, now. Yeah, I've been getting a lot of text of, I made a half-orc warrior with a circumcised penis, or not. Turtleneck still on. Turtleneck on. He Steve Jobsons it. It's the orc culture. They frown upon the snipping. Oh, well, they should. Also, <laughs> speaking of Hey Now, Hey Now, you're an all-star. The singer of uh, Smash Mouth just died today. What? Whoa, what? Steve? Steve, yeah. <laughs> no, he didn't. He did, did he? Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Is Guy Fieri speaking at the memorial? No, but he, he did a post uh, with a picture of the, the two of them together. Steve died? Yep. All right, Randy. I know we're. I know this is a quick uh, upload here, but you got you got to end the episode with some uh, bedding music. How old of, was he? Uh, How old? Some fifty six. Take a guess, Ryan. No, Randy. I already oh. said it too. Oh, you did. Yeah. Was, yeah. I was pulling up an article. How did he die? 
Um, oh, it says right here fentanyl. No, I don't know. That was a Died joke. in his home. <laughs> liver failure. At Randy's favorite place, Boise, Idaho, on Monday. Hell yeah. Steve lived well, a hundred percent full throttle life, burning oh. brightly across the universe before he burned oh, out. Oh, you missed you missed the best part, Verda. His only tools were his impressible charm and charisma, his fearlessly reckless ab- ambition, and his king size cojones. <laughs> <laughs> Again, San Jose, uh, California. Also, uh, Jimmy Buffett died as well, and uh, I'm contractually I have to say that as a uh, fellow graduate of the University of Southern Mississippi, along with Jimmy. As we mourn his passing. Man, we just can't end this. Cheeseburger in paradise. <laughs> yeah, I'm bummed out, dude. R.I.P. Liver failure? That means he was a drunk. That's yeah, what that probably. means. Yeah, probably. All right. I, lo- I love y'all. I'm dancing, so I'm about to bow. Okay. Randy, say goodbye. We'll see you next week. We won't see you next week. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.